Welcome, everyone, to episode 31. Happy New Year's, everyone. Episode 31 of the Dream Team Podcast. I am your host, as always, Jake Schultz, and join with me two episodes in a row. We've got a full squad here. First off, we got Zulfi's Shake. What's up, what's up? Spencer Kloss. Happy New Year's. And Daniel Ramos. Happy New Year's. How are y'all doing, boys? Good. Doing good. good. Doing good. Looking forward to some resolutions for some teams. Yes, because of uh, Masai Jury deciding to shake up our schedule, episode 31 now is our New Year's resolutions. Uh, at the time of the recording of this as well, okay, like the whole universe could have imploded by now. Like we have no idea what could have happened. Pascal Siakam could have been traded. Uh, the Raptors could have lost the Pistons. The Pistons could hold the record for the most losses. We have no idea, okay? So if there's another episode in between here, this is either episode 31 or episode 32. But allow us. It's fine. It's the New Year's by the time that this is coming out. So what better way to look at the New Year's than to go through some New Year's resolutions for every single team? Yeah, that's right. You heard me right. Every single team in the NBA. I put Zolfi on the East and Daniel on the West, and they're going to give us their resolutions for the team the rest of the season. How we're going to get this going is we're going to go back and forth between West and East, starting from the lowest seed upwards. So we're going to go 15 and 15, 14, 14, upwards, and then some. That's the that's the plan for the schedule. If any breaking news happens during the middle of this podcast, well, uh, you're going to hear a weird break in between there, and then we'll get through that. But why don't we start, Daniel, with the West? We'll start with number 15, which is what? Uh, I have on my my docs the San Antonio Spurs, but I got to check the standings. Is it the Spurs? You're right. It is. Yep, the Spurs. it's the Spurs. Five and twenty-six. Okay. Uh, I got something simple for you. Let's give Wemby some more service, huh? That's it. I'm looking at you, Jeremy. Just give your your buddy some some more. Like <laughs> I, he assists him every. Like there was a stat I saw. He assists him every other game. Not every game. Every other game. Just do your job. You got literally like the best prospect in the world on your team, and you're not even lobbing in the ball. He's got like this guy can touch the sky if he wants to. Just do your job. That's it. Let's give Wemby some more service. That's all. What do you guys think? Thoughts? Questions? Concerns? I like it. Got to get Wemby the ball in the paint. I think it's the wish of literally every basketball fan out there to yeah. make the offense simpler. Wembenyama. Give him the ball inside. You can throw him a lot pass that's like six feet too high, and he'll still get it. I think I saw a stat where like Wembenyama's like field goal percentage on passes from Tyus Jones is like exponentially higher than passes from Jeremy Sohan. Like it's just Tyus is simple. Like he just gets in the ball where he needs it. Let, let Wembenyama do the rest. You didn't. You don't draft a freak of a, a generational talent to then not let him do freakish generational things. Yeah. Like come on, why are we complicating this? Like Greg Popovich, you're an insanely good coach. Why are you letting this happen? What is this belief in Jeremy Sohan? Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, I don't think anyone can really complain with any of that. Like, get Wemby the ball. Let Wemby hook. Like, Wemby is apparently also sitting out of back-to-backs. That's a completely different conversation. But, like, just let him cook, man. He's a generational talent. I want to see him play. I'm not there for Jeremy Sohan. Like, no, I'm here to watch Wemby. Go and feed your guy and let your play be better. This is not, like, this is not the worst roster in the world. But they're playing, like, absolute ass because they don't feed Wemby as much as they should. Okay, so like let let Wemby cook. It, it's a good resolution, Dan. That's that's I wouldn't have that any other way. East number fifteen, the, the Detroit Pistons, which could have changed again. They could have won. They could have not won at this time, but 
<laughs> is, is yours anything more than just get a win, Zulfi? Uh, no, it's actually not that because as of this moment, the Detroit Pistons have beaten the Toronto Raptors. I'm stop, stop. My resolution, my resolution for them is not just get a win. That's boring and that's easy. Obviously, they want to get a win. Uh, I'm gonna go for something different. My resolution: fire Monty Williams. Uh, okay. Yeah, I, I, it's crappy for me to wish that on someone as the new year starts, but Monty Williams is not the coach for this team. Uh, he clearly just was offered too much money that he couldn't refuse. He was offered, uh, looking back at it, I forget, six years, $78.5 million. How insane is that, by the way? $13 million a year for your head coach is uh, crazy, and I kind of forgot it was that big of a deal. So obviously Monty Williams is going to take that contract, but it's clear he doesn't want to put up with these young guys, and he doesn't care about developing them. He's just here for a great payday, and I don't blame him for it. But like, look at some of the decisions he's making. He's pulling Jaden Ivey, and he wasn't playing for a little bit. Now you see Jaden Ivey back in the rotation, and wow, he's a really good player. Uh, he's playing all bench lineups. Why are you playing all bench lineups for a team that is like one of the worst talent-wise in the league? Like, No wonder you're getting blown out even when you have leads because you put in five bench players who should have no business being on the court together. Like some of the decisions by Monty Williams and this team just make no sense coaching-wise, and it, it just compounds on the fact that they're just not that talented of a roster. It's it it's it it befuddles me that they want to be competitive. I know Dan made this joke yesterday when they talked about like them not wanting to trade away Bogdanovich because he was like, Who's gonna tell the Pistons that they're not good enough to make that kind of a decision? Like really, they're not a competitive team right now, but they're trying to like skip steps, I guess, by bringing in Monty Williams, by keeping a guy like Bogdanovich and trying to like trade for like disgruntled for lottery picks, thinking they can kind of turn around to Detroit with a guy like James Wiseman and Marvin Bagley. And their direction is all askew. So start by bringing in a developmental coach. Fire Monty Williams. I know you're going to have to pay him, but clearly you have the money to do it. And then bring in a young coach. Maybe it's somebody internally. Maybe it's externally. But bring in somebody young and patient who's going to work with these players and kind of develop them. I don't think Monty Williams is the guy. And I know it's a bit bold. But hell, just move on from a, a veteran coach. He was coach of the year a couple of years ago. But with a Suns team that was really, really good and had a lot of veteran guys on that squad. He doesn't have that here. And he's clearly not acting like it either. So move on. I agree. I actually like that. I, I think some people would say it's a hot take because of how much they're paying him, but I love it. Switch something up. This is literally the worst team we've seen in I don't know how long. Like It's been a very long time since we've seen a team this bad. Since the so, process Sixers. Yeah, uh, they, the, they're on pace right now to win five games. That's two less than the 2012 oh Bobcats. The Bobcats hold a record for the least oh, wins man. in NBA history in a season that is at seven. That they're on pace atrocious. to win less games than that. Wow. How's that even possible? How are you that like this roster is not bad? It pisses me off that they're this bad, and I think yeah, a lot of that comes down to coaching. I like it. That's not what I would have picked at all. I think that's a spicy pick, but I think it's a good one. He's completely underwhelmed as a coach. I think ever since he got his bag, he's just kind of been coasting. And like this is clearly a roster with talent. I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and be like, hey, like oh, we we don't we deserve more than a two win team, but like they literally are a better roster than the amount of wins that they have. So, like, at one point, you have to turn fingers and point them at the one guy in charge of that team, which is Monty Williams. I like it, Sophie. I think it's a spicy pick. So, back to the West. Trailblazers. You know, these, like, tanky team ones are kind of, like, hard because it's just, like, you're just tanking. So, like, like what what do you want me to say? Like, what do you want to improve on? Like, you're just your shit. Like, that's it. Like, you want to be. That's the, th- that's the point, too, is you want to be crap. Uh, but I will say, lay off a scoop. He's a rookie. Like, he's actually been playing well recently as well. And, like, 
Like, it, he's a rookie. Like, I, all these people say, oh, Scoot's a bust. Like, I'm sure it's just, like, 12-year-olds on Twitter and stuff. But, like, he's a rookie. Why, like, why are you shocked that a rookie is struggling in their first couple of months of play? So just lay off a Scoot. That's it. That's my New Year's resolution. Shut up about him. Be nice. Okay, he's a rookie. He's not a bust. And he's going to be great. So just, just lay off the kid. Lay off. Yeah, he's had some good games recently, for sure. A couple double-digit assist games, like good playmaking, so I, I like it. Back-to-back 20-point games, four games double digits in a row, like Spencer's said some double-assist games, uh, double-digit assist games, rather. And, like, yeah, Dan said, he's young. He's going to have growing pains. He was hurt for a little bit as well, so it's hard to kind of get it together, especially on a really bad team. So, like, it's going to be growing pains with him. Like, be patient with him. I get he was the number two overall pick. I get they that he was the next John Moran, Russell Westbrook, and the jury's still out on that. But he's shown talent, he's shown poise overall, and he's working through it. And hey, Anthony Simon has been really good for this Trailblazers team too. So maybe you can have another Dame CJ McCollum type thing in two really young, like dynamic guards. Who knows if it ends differently than the last time? But at least you have some promise there in the future. And I think if you expect, like, I don't know why you expect Scoot to be generational right away either. Like, why would you want that? It seemed like Dan said they're tanking. They're doing the right thing by tanking. Let him slowly develop and be patient with him along the way. Yeah, I couldn't say anything more to that. I th- I think my would one would have been to get Malcolm Brogdon off the team because I really like Brogdon and I hate to see him just like stranded off on a team when he's clearly in like the twilight of his career on like a championship. He's a piece missing of a championship roster. So that would have been mine, but I agree. Like we we talked about this before that we sometimes are either like we come in expecting rookies to be great because we've seen it more with recent times especially with this rookie class like how many people are coming in and playing so well but at the same time like they're still rookies not every player is going to come in and make immediate impact and look at Grady Dick he was seen as the best shooter coming out of college that they've seen in quite some time and he can't even get playing time like and he's been struggling with his shot and yeah you're a shooter you don't just naturally lose your shot it just is about translating that to the game Scoot's gonna take time they're a tanking team let them build like there's no rush on Scoot Henderson. It's not like they immediately need to turn this thing around and start to go back to be or to winning a championship. No, like they, they have time. Yeah, give them a break. I agree with you, Dan. It's a good pick. Zolfi, who's yours for number 14? For number 14 in the East, I, th- I believe it's, yeah, so Wizards. Uh, <laughs> it's the, the Toxic Wizards, Brothers. Yeah, it's the Toxic Brothers. My wish or my resolution for the Wizards is uh, take a mirror. And put it right in front of your face. And look at it. And ask yourselves, do you like what you see? If the answer is yes, <laughs> leave the NBA. Like, get relegated, relocate, I don't care what it is. Leave the NBA. The answer should be no. The, the Wizards just need to have more respect for themselves and the game of basketball. That is truly, truly all I can say. I came into the season saying Wes Unsell Jr. was going to be in the mix for Coach of the Year candidate. Jordan Poole could have been an MIP candidate as well. Why? Because these are talented people. These are talented players. This team has talent. They have more guards than I can count at this point. They should not be this bad. Jordan Poole and Kyle Kuzma are like 20-point-per-game scorers. You have supplemental pieces in like a Tyus Jones. Delon Wright's been hurt, sure. But like you have players who can do stuff. Like I just uh, Daniel Gafford's been actually really friend good, of Jay. the podcast, yeah. Daniel Gafford. Yeah. I was going to say, Daniel don't Gafford's leave him out. Daniel has been really solid, actually. So they have talent. Like, they definitely have more talent than six wins. Like, 
Kyle Kuzma and yeah. Jordan Poole have been in the news for all the dumbest reasons. Kyle Kuzma's bagging on the Pistons. Brother, you've won six games. You should not be doing anything like that. What are we talking about? Kyle Kuzma is getting punched by the ghost of Draymond Green on the court. Like, what are we talking about here? This team just, like, there's no on-court fix here other than, like, maybe a couple, like, trades for all-stars. But, hey, that doesn't happen all the time. So, other than that, just respect yourselves a bit more. I said it about the Rockets as well, and look what they did. The Rockets are in a similar boat where they added veteran pieces. They have talent there, but people thought they were going to be bad because they were going to be focused around these young guys. But they have respect for themselves. They let the vets do their thing. The young guys found their spot, and they're learning from them. Why can't the Wizards do that? Like, I just don't get it. It, it comes down to literally just self-respect and trying to take the game seriously. And so far, they can't. And that is also an indictment on West Unsell Jr. and this coaching staff. They really need to take a hard look at themselves because that's what it is. Like, so what, like I said, my resolution, stick a mirror in your face and see if you're willing to change who you are. Yeah, I agree. I mean, their two top guys are pretty immature, it seems. Like, Kuzma, honestly... All due respect, man. I've never. I don't think there's anything going on behind his eyes. I'm gonna be honest. Like, <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Yo, the stuff this guy says, I'm just like, like, what's going on up there, bro? Like, you're good at basketball, but I don't know what you're thinking right now. Like, he just seems like a dumb guy. I'm sorry. I know it's like mean to say, but like, those are their two top guys, and they just seem a little immature. Like, you, like you gotta set like a culture, and they're not exactly setting a good culture. So, like, like Zalpi said, like he's ragging on the Pistons. Bro, you have like three more wins, four more wins. Like, like look in the mirror, have some self awareness. But like, I don't think Kuzma has that. I'm pretty sure I've never seen him have self awareness, and that was very apparent on the day he won the championship, and he posed as Kobe. You're not him, bro. Like, you're just not him, bro. So I don't know. I just with those two guys at the helm, unless they grow up, I I don't think uh, I don't think much is gonna happen there. Okay. Yeah, man. My issue with like, I think this comes down to also like their their veterans are two people that won a championship and immediately checked out. Like you, you hear about them talking about these championships, like they were like massive instrumental piece of the team. Like they willed their team, and that that is their prized possession. Like no, you two were role players on your team. Like good role players. Like don't get me wrong, Kuzma is a good player. Jordan Poole is a good player. But they immediately got that championship, and it feels like it gone. To, it went to their head, and now they're just checked out, and they're just throwing the ball around, having some fun out there. Literally, the definition of the Toxic Brothers. I, I don't know how you write the ship. I, I honestly like. I, I don't. I don't know. It, they're they're one of the most like unenjoyable teams to watch for a team that has so much talent. It's crazy, Zulfi, that you were so high on them, and now they're well, just so that's so the low. Frustrating part, like Dan said it. Like the, there is a fix. There's one fix. Grow up. Like that yeah, but it's it. not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Nah, that's why it's a resolution. Resolutions almost never happen, but you just pray. <laughs> that's, like, that's facts. It. That is yeah, like, that's We're just praying here at this point. Spencer, do you have anything to say on the Wizards or no? <laughs> you guys got me thinking, actually. When's the last time the Wizards had a draft pick that actually like turned into something good? <sighs> I mean, literally, like they're probably their, their last one only. Bilal Kulabali looks pretty decent. But outside of him, not really. They re-signed Avdia, but like, what has he been in the NBA other than maybe like a spot guy? Yeah, I'm thinking like. <laughs> well, but since then, really, because even like Troy Brown Jr. Whatever happened to that guy? I guess Hachimura, but then they traded him away. Even him, he's not like a stud by any means. Yeah, I mean like All Star caliber, like. Oh, no one, then no one. If it's all-star, then literally no one outside of Bradley. It feels like they've been bad for a decade, and they've had nothing to show for it. Yeah, Yeah. because they literally have. That is, like, spot on. Yeah. 
Well, what a bad <laughs> team. Anyways, uh, yeah, someone please save Daniel Gafford. I know a team that needs a backup point, a backup point guard. Oh my god, a backup center. Yo, uh, hey, Daniel uh, Gafford, the point god himself. Hey, you already see Scotty running point. Yeah, you, why not put Daniel Gafford out there too? Hey, Masai. Uh, yeah, I uh, I know a player that you should go and get. No, just uh, knock on their door. Go go see what happens to get some Daniel Gafford. I would immediately be first in line to get a Daniel Gafford jersey. I might be the only one to be in line to get a Daniel Gafford jersey, but I'll take it. If I could see my goat in Toronto, yeah, someone got for the love of God, relocate them. Oh wait, just kidding. They're already being relocated. Yeah, I was okay, say, Daniel. They're already, <laughs> <laughs> they're already leaving. Daniel, number thirteen. Uh, 13, I have the Memphis Grizzlies, and uh, this one was kind of a tough one because I just feel bad for them. Like, the season might be a write-off at this point. You know, you missed your best player for 25 games, and, like, now you're just trying to claw your way back to the top. Like, it's an uphill battle, and I just don't really, like, with Jaw, when you... I'm in the thing. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Yo, like, pull the door, bro. Someone um... walked in on Daniel's room for context. <laughs> Yeah, we can cut that out, I guess. I don't know. Um, <laughs> no, we're not staying right in here. <laughs> um, where, what was I at? I, I lost my chain of thought. John Morant. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, he's a really good player. So it's like, he's back now. What are you going to do? Like, you just work your way back to the top, I guess. I mean, I guess you could trade for a center because Steven Adams has a season-ending injury. And, like, also, uh, like, he's kind of old now. So you probably should trade for a center. Uh, but like other than that, like I don't really know what you're supposed to do because you got your player back and like you just work your way back now. Like, I don't know. What do you guys think? Yeah, I, I, I have socials. Yeah, that's for one. Uh, considering that he's still doing celebrations with uh, hand moves, movements, uh, I, this is the one I'm kind of like. Am I am I wrong? I know I have a bet with Zolfi, but am I wrong for thinking that like it's legitimately possible this team could make the play in? Like I, they've since Jaws come back. Let me run some stats with you. Like their point per game has skyrocketed. They are four and one with John Morant back in the lineup. He's missed one game. That was against the Nuggets, and it was a wash completely because they just got waxed. Like this is a West team that it's not really far off that they could make a push because when you look at the play-ins, like it's three five hundred teams, and then the Pelicans, like. Is it not out of the realm of possibility that this team genuinely could make a run with John Morant? I was thinking that today. Like, they can go play in. Why not? There's tons of the season left. I think that's got to be their hope. Like, Jake, our bet, I'm nervous about it, legitimately. They won their first four games with John Morant. Uh, The Grizzlies game, again, he didn't play. And uh, the the Clippers game that they just lost, he wasn't feeling 100%. He was ill. You saw that video of him in the tunnel not looking great. So... He's been fantastic since he, they've been uh, they've added him back, and so have the Grizzlies. So I think, like, if you're looking for a resolution or a wish, it's like make the play in because we saw it last year. Play in teams can make some noise if they go on a run, and yeah. what a perfect team to go on a run that's going to be underestimated with John Moran coming back after 25 games. So like, I just don't see the value in them trying to write off the season and tank. Like, you, you're going to add maybe a, a reasonable rookie who can do a bit of like stuff, but he's not going to develop into a superstar. Whoever they add, because again, you can't out tank some of these teams at the bottom in the Spurs, the Blazers, the the Pistons on the other side, and the Wizards. So you're not going to have probably a top three pick. So you may as well try to fight for the plane because you have veteran guys on this team and you have a young superstar in John Morant. So go there and just see what happens. Sometimes the the luck just goes your way. So you may as well try for it. I agree. Yeah. I I think January is really going to be just their month of tests. Like if that month is a write-off, then you know what happens because they face the Lakers, the Suns, Mavs, Clippers, Knicks, Warriors, Timberwolves, Bulls, Raptors, 
Pacers, Kings, Heat. Like, that's a tough month. But if they come out of there with, like, a, a positive record or, like, I, I don't know, like, seven games above, like, a positive record, like, it's possible. Because what we've seen from them when they come in, they look good. And I, I, I wouldn't write the season off at all. No, just just let Jaw cook, get him off social media, and see what happens. Like, him and Marcus Smart looked pretty good, and Marcus Smart's return as well to the lineup. Like, you never know. I, I agree. I think an underdog mentality will serve this team very, very well. That's what I'm saying. Like, it was kind of hard because it's like you got Jaw back. So, like, just go on with the rest of the season now. That's like that's why I couldn't really think of anything. But I, I guess that is a resolution. Just play out the rest of the season and hope for the best. Yeah, I like it. Zolfi, number 13. We are on to the Charlotte Hornets, and this oh, is God. a team that I just don't want to talk about because really, what can you wish for the Hornets? And I have one take, and it's just, it's I don't know how spicy it is. I guess it kind of is, but trade Terry Rozier. Like, there's too much redundancy with him and LaMelo Ball. Like, it's the only, it's either Terry Rozier or Gordon Hayward, and Gordon Hayward, I think his value is just completely gone right now. He doesn't have much to offer. He's constantly hurt, obviously. We already know the Gordon Hayward story. Uh, Terry Rozier, he has some value. He's still a spark plug of a player. A lot of teams could use him in either a starting or a backup role. And there's just a lot of redundancy between him and LaMelo Ball. When LaMelo Ball's not there, Terry Rozier looks even happier because he's like, hell, I can just go back to doing what I was doing before LaMelo kind of had the ball all the time. So trade Terry Rozier, jumpstart something new, add another shooter that can kind of be around LaMelo or maybe like a wing defender type thing. Brandon Miller, for like all intents and purposes, has looked pretty good. And we already know the criminal is good with uh, LaMelo Ball, so they fit together decently well. So once LaMelo gets back healthy, build a team around him and kind of go from there. They're pro- they don't have many prospects or assets, so kind of it's trade Terry Rozier and get something back in return that you can kind of use to help build around LaMelo Ball. That's that's all I really want to say about the Charlotte Hornets, to be honest. Yeah, I agree. And, like, it's getting overlooked because of the Pistons, but they're on a sneaky 10-game losing streak right now. Like, they're bad. They're not good. So make a small change. See what happens. Right? Am I mistaken? I'm not mistaken on that, right? I don't think so, because LaMelo's been out, right? So they've been yeah, LaMelo's been out for a bit. Does that mean LaMelo Ball's a yeah, top 10, 10 point guard? No. Uh, I mean, he he may or may not be, but they have to treat him like he is, and they yeah. have to build this team around him like he is, because they got nothing else on this roster unless Brandon Miller turns out even better than he looks now. And he doesn't look phenomenal, but he looks decent. So, like, you hope Brandon Miller develops into, like, a stud player. But, like, honestly, I kind of look at him, and I think an OG and an OB with maybe a bit better offensive game. That's, like, a peak I'm talking about. So... That is not going to win you a championship alongside LaMelo Ball, like let alone probably not even get you into the playoffs. So you need another piece to kind of help form. Like, I think kind of a connector. You need a connector player between like the bigs and uh, uh, LaMelo Ball, somebody who can play in between like uh, Spencer Manson, like a Tony Allen type of guy. I think that would be perfect. Taylor Rozier is a complete opposite of that. So trade him and try to like either get assets or something back that kind of fits better. May I offer you Tony Snell in this trying time? I'm pretty sure he's on, like, the Celtics or the Bucks G League team, and he's actually not that Shut bad. up. No, he's not. Yeah. yeah, he's still playing. He's on the G League. I can't I, – I'm almost positive it's the Celtics. It's the Celtics – the main Celtics. I'm pretty sure he's on that G League team because, I, obviously, I watched the Raptors 905. He but is. He's Raptors on the main Republic. Celtics. Yeah. There you go. And, Nick, his, trust me, his stat lines are still pretty Tony Snell, if you get that reference. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, hey, man, he's he's something – and then uh, the Hornets don't have a whole lot of anything. So Yeah, I, I like yours. Mine would have been to just stay out of the news because they were just in the news a lot uh, this year. 
may, a lot of that starts with uh, getting Mr. Bridges off that team. So that, yeah. that would be uh, my start to the new year. I like it, though, Zulfi. It's a, it's a good pick. Daniel, you're at number 12 now. I have... I got the Jazz. Uh, another team tanking. Don't think there's much to say. Just don't make any rash decisions like trading away your all-star starter last year, Laurie Markkinen. That's all I got for that one. Yeah. I don't think there's too much to say about this, but there's been rumors for a while that like Lori Markinen might be on the trade market. Like I just don't really understand why. Like Lori Markinen's a very good player, very solid player. Like he was an all star starter last year when the Jazz were like surprisingly like okay and they had like a better record before they fell off towards the end of the season. But like don't make any brash decisions. I don't I don't genuinely get why you would need to trade him away. Like you got him in a haul. As part of that deal, like don't trade away your main piece within a season and a half. I just I don't really understand that logic. So yeah, I, I agree with that. Anyone else have any other qualms? Uh, Danny Ainge has known to like make some really big, crazy deals, but he really just needs to not big brain this. Like keep it simple. Like you have a guy in low marketing that's averaging twenty four and nine. Like how are you going to equate any value close to that? And then like last season, he already traded for John Collins, which I didn't think made much sense. So, like, he's trying too hard to big brain things lately and kind of go on, like, his own crazy strategy. But sometimes keep, keep the simple thing simple. Like, you have a really good player in Larry Markkinen. You have a young guy in Colin Sexton that seems to pick it up when you need him to. Like, build around those pieces. Build around – Keontae George has looked awesome when he's been out there. So, build around these young guys. Don't kind of switch it up now because, like, w- what direction are you going to take? You trade Larry Markkinen away, you're – what? You're going to get back a piece that's going to make you a contender? Probably not. You're probably going to look to get assets or young pieces that at best will turn into a Laurie Markkinen. So why would you trade him away? I just don't get that. So don't big brain this, Danny Ainge. Keep it simple. Yeah. Who's your number 12, Zolfi? It is our very own, the Toronto Raptors. And uh, I would say the wish list for them was to make a decision, but they did that. (laughs) And they traded OG Ananobi for Emmanuel Quigley and uh, RJ Barrett. So my other, I, I'm trying to think of another wish list thing. So I'm just going to go with the other very basic one and say extend Pascal Siakam. Yeah. The the main reason why is obviously you moved on from OG Ananobi. You made a decision there. You, I think training Pascal Siakam could get you a big haul, obviously, but he's shown that he, at least it's been reported that he wants to resign here. So commit to him, show your star player and basically show Scotty Barnes that you're willing to trust players who want to be here we obviously know in toronto raptors free agent history that they don't have a great job keeping some star players or let alone talented players so you may as well show some good faith that you can keep siakam give him the money that he wants you don't have og's money to worry about anymore and then you can always trade him later like say you keep this core and then pascal really doesn't fit with these new guys in rj barrett emmanuel quickly scotty barnes and the whole timeline conversation comes back up well at least if he's under contract you can trade him i think like making this move and trading og on an ob erases a lot of like the urgency required around this situation and uh if pascal gets traded in the off season that's great but do it when he's under contract don't let this guy walk away for nothing that's number one do not let pascal siakam walk away for zero that is an abject failure by this front office especially for a guy who most of us will now consider like a top five raptor of all time people can argue maybe somewhere in the top 10 i'll say he's probably a top five raptor of all time so Give the guy his money. Let's see how it works with Scotty and all these other young guys now that are on the team. And if it still doesn't work, then you can trade him later on. Yeah, I don't think any of us are going to argue that one. 
We're all big Pascal Siakam fans on this podcast. The one thing I do want to quickly mention, uh, haha, Emmanuel quickly, the that signing Siakam, apparently this is according to Sportsnet's Michael Grange, uh, signing Siakam to a max extension if they are presumably re-signing quickly as well as hanging on to Barrett, who has three years and $82 million remaining on his deal, would have serious tax implications going forward. So apparently they would have to reach very far into their tax, which the Raptors just don't ever do. Um, so that could be something that is a bit of to watch out for. He also did follow up that like league sources are expecting Sackham to be on the move, though timing is very much TBD. So like like I mentioned earlier, like at the time of this recording, he could already be gone or he could still have already resigned or he could be like, we don't know. But yeah, that's the one thing. But at face value, like, no, you just, you keep your guy. He has more value if he signed long-term. But also, what do I know that if OG went like an expiring contract, went for RJ Barrett and Mayo quickly, like what do I know at that time? But yeah, no, I, I want Siakam resigned. I, yeah. I love the guy. I want him on the roster. Yeah, there's desperate teams. Like again, the Knicks were desperate. The Pacers have been linked to uh, Pascal Siakam. We'll get into Pacers and the Hawks. Those are two teams that have been linked to Pascal Siakam heavily. They could be desperate enough to maybe offer a haul for a guy like him too. I, I still think there's also, again, your, your point is very valid about the financial implications. There's a middle ground option that Pascal hasn't liked for the most part of the, of the three-year deal, but maybe you can convince him to take the three-year deal to try to build around Scotty and then promise Pascal, if it doesn't work by this offseason, uh, then we can trade you to a team that you want to go to. It's a bit of a stretch, but again, it's hey, a three-year deal that matches RJ Barrett's timeline in terms of contract, and then you have two guys coming off the books, and you can kind of decide where things go from there. So I think there is that middle ground option, but uh, it's very clear this is going to be a wait-and-see approach now regarding Pascal Siakam. Yeah, Can't say it any better myself. Daniel, number 11. <clears throat> the Phoenix Suns. Crazy. New Year's resolution. C- crazy Phoenix saying Suns? number 11. They At the time, I put that down. I think it's the Warriors now, but we can go. Oh, with... it is the Warriors. Okay, okay, we'll go the with Warriors. the Warriors then. Okay, uh, I have. Yeah, this is also a tough one because it's just like, you know, they have Steph, who's obviously like a top five player in the league and like he should be really good. But like this team's just like not that fun to watch. You know, they're in 12th place. They're not doing, or is it 11th, sorry? What did, what did we just say? They're 11th, 11th now. Yeah. yeah, they're in 11th place. Like they're just not that fun to watch. There are other guys like Wiggins, Clay, and CB3. Like they're just like, like, they got to figure it out on the court. I know Clay had, like, a good stretch where he, like, scored, like, more than, like, 20 points for, like, I think it was, like, six games. But, like, other than that, like, all three of them have been way too inconsistent. And, like, it's, like, yeah, it's just not that fun to watch. And CP3 still plays a, a good role in terms of, like, leadership and, like, you know, teaching, like, the young guys and stuff. But, like, how much do you want that for a team, like, where Steph is 32 or 33 or something like that? Um, and then there's a the Draymond issue. Um, just, like, just pull together. Like, that's your New Year's resolution. Just figure it out, pull together, and, like, don't be so inconsistent. And I don't know if that comes down to mentality or if some of their guys are just washed at this point. Uh, it could be both. could be either or. But just figure it out. So that's the New Year's resolution for them. I have a question for you guys. And Steph is 35, by the way. God damn, he is 35. old. Like, that's yeah. Uh, is it worth risking the final, final years of Steph Curry and his championship run to set up a future for the Warriors. And I asked that given, again, I've mentioned the Warriors being this team that is in the middle. You have the old guys, you have young guys. You have a lot of really good young guys now. You have Kaminga, you have uh, Pajemski, and then Trace Jackson Davis has looked really good recently too. Uh, there's Moses Moody as well. But then uh, 
this core, obviously, won you four championships. Steph Curry still Steph Curry. Clay Thompson, you know what he can do. Wiggins is a vet. Chris Paul is searching for his first championship. And then there's still Draymond Green there. But then those guys haven't been performing well. Chris Paul has been kind of a, a middling factor. Sometimes he's good, sometimes he's not. Wiggins, we all know, has had a pretty terrible season up until recently. Clay Thompson has been up and down. And then Draymond is a Draymond situation. So is it worth keeping these veterans around to try to like squeeze out life out of Steph's championship window for these next two or three years and not play these young guys? Or is it time to just, I don't know, shift towards the young guys, let Steph and these guys kind of like, I know it's crazy to say, but let Steph and these guys kind of like mentor some of these young guys and focus more on that. I don't know. What do you guys think? Is it worth risking that? I think that you pretty much said my answer in your question. They've, they've got so much out of this core already. Like, I think it's time to just kind of reevaluate and say what can set us up for the next decade because how many cores in NBA history have four championships? So if you're still trying to like, you know, stay in that window, I think it's just a little too late now. Like I think they've they've got all their all the juice they could get out of this core and I think it's they really have to start setting up for the future. I completely agree with both of you. Um but like it is a I feel like it's a really hard thing to ask your core who've been there forever especially someone like Steph who's like that good of a player and still playing at a very high level so it's like it's tough to ask him that it's tough to ask his other guys like Clay and Dream on that when they've done so much for the organization but like at a certain point an organization does have to say like the organization is bigger than any player like whether they're you know they like to hear that or not so I do think it is time to make a shift and think about the future because I just don't think this team is going to go anywhere. But, uh, like, I do understand that it's very hard to ask a player that, especially one who has been that important to you, you know? Yeah, it sounds insane to say to the front office to basically go to Steph and be like, hey, we know you're still really, really good and, like, a, like a top 10 player, but we're just not going to prioritize winning a championship these next two seasons while you're here or whatever long it is. Yeah, like, how's he going to take the that? Future. Like, like, I don't know. This but is the guy the like, that built this team, though, right? Like, and then yeah. when we're talking about like how many championships do you get with four, like a core with these guys? But like at the same time, like that core is still there, and that guy is still there. Like, I, I don't think Steph's going to respond to that, like necessarily very, very. And he openly. shouldn't. He shouldn't respond. No, to that, as well. he shouldn't. No. Yeah. He, he's been promised that like this team is going to continue to contend, and that's what they did. Like last year, they were good. They just ran into like the Lakers and it is what it is, but it's, it's tough. It's just a tough thing to balance because I think everyone knows you look at them and they're in a very similar situation. Like they just need to move on. I just don't think that you're going to move on when you still have Draymond who just resigned for a contract and you have Steph still there playing at a top 10 level. And you got Clay Thompson who's still there and is still one of the best shooters, even though he's up and down. Like, I just, I don't think they're going to do. I think they should, Absolutely, like they have good young players, but I I just think they're going to end up flipping Moody or Kaminga to try to get more pieces to try to capitalize on that core. I just think they're going to keep squeezing it, and I don't like you can't fault them at the same time either, right? Like that this is one of the greatest teams to ever do it. It's one of the greatest cores in the history of the NBA. Like only rivalry really, like the Miami Heat and the Chicago Bulls, like. It, 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 at some point like you just gotta be like okay like they, they're entitled to make their own decisions and do whatever they feel like doing at that point and I, I can't fault them either way if they want to try to contend or if they want to try to rebuild like they've earned the right to do what they think is right if they want to do right by Steph cool if they want to do right by starting a rebuild and like mentoring some of these younger guys also cool I, I just think that 
I honestly don't see them ever just throwing Steph aside and being like, yeah, no, we're just going to rebuild. I think as long as Steph is there, they're going to try to win. Yeah, it's fair. But like, also like Bob Myers isn't there anymore. So like new front office, new uh, decision makers who probably don't have the same level of loyalty to Steph and some of these guys. Of course. And granted, there's probably some internal stuff there too that they have history with for sure. But like Spencer does raise a point. This this team has to at some point look at the next decade of their like experience as a roster. And uh, obviously the Kobe Bryant situation was very, very different. But in the end, towards the end of the career, they were honoring him with deals and look at what that team was for a while. It took LeBron coming over and saving them, basically, and them trading away all their young assets for them to become more or less respectable again. And that happened after a really long time of being really bad. And maybe you're right, though. The Warriors are willing to put up with that because they're like, hell, we squeezed four championships out of this and Steph Curry deserves it. And by all means, again, they can do that, like you said. But it's going to look really bleak for the next, like, five to ten years if they decide to go that way. And are you willing to put up with that? Who knows? So, it, again, I keep saying this. It's hard to win now and also develop young guys. So at a certain point, you're going to have to decide something. Yeah, I agree. Uh, all right, let's move on to the next one. Zolfi, who's your number 11 in the East? It is the Atlanta Hawks. And for them, originally, I was going to say the very common thing is trade for a like sizable wing player like a Pascal Siakam. Obviously, they've been tied to the guy for so long, but I'm going to be a little different than that, and it's a it's a thing that's come up more recently as a rumor. Uh, trade away DeJounte Murray. That's my resolution for the Atlanta Hawks. Trade DeJounte Murray to a different team. He's been linked to the Lakers recently. I don't know how much I love that idea. I just think even when it happened, the fit with DeJounte Murray and uh, Trey Young doesn't make a lot of sense to me. You have a very ball-dominant player in Trey Young that can play, make, and do a lot. And DeJounte Murray can be this, like, I guess, wing slasher type guy, but he's also a very ball-dominant player when he's out there. He's most effective when he has the ball in his hands, and I don't necessarily see that making sense along Trey Young. So more than just trading for a, a tall, like big wing to have with Trey Young, trade away DeJounte Murray. It's kind of like addition by subtraction, I think. This team has been so mid for so long. They literally, I think over the past like decade or whatever the case is, they're like a 500 team. Uh, every time they win, they lose right after. That's basically what the Atlanta Hawks have been for the longest time. So go trade DeJounte Murray, get somebody that fits better with Trey Young and kind of go from there at that point. Like we all rag on Trey Young not being our favorite player maybe, but we all also agree he's really, really good and he's basically an all-star every year. So build around that guy. You already have a big Clint Capella who plays well with Trey Young. Add somebody in between. Again, like I said this for another team, like a connector. You need a connector for this uh, for this roster. So DeJounte Murray, get something out of him. Isn't it crazy that this team made the Eastern Conference Finals a couple years ago? And no one cares or seems to remember about it, too, because like yeah. they did nothing after that. They had, they built nothing off that momentum. Yeah, yeah, they got off of John Collins' awful contract, but they brought in DeJounte Murray's awful contract. Like it's <laughs> It's crazy how mid this team has been. And yet they have a generational star in Steph, in Steph Curry. Well, he plays like Steph Curry sometimes. And Trey Young. Uh, yeah, you're right. You're a thousand percent right. I hate the fit on the Lakers. I think that would be absolutely terrible. He, I, God, do not do that. But yeah, they need to get DeJounte Murray off that team. It's just at what point do you have to stay? It's kind of similar to the Wizards. Like you got to stare yourself in the face in the mirror and just like figure it out. And DeJounte Murray is probably the first piece of that puzzle to go. And they're also a team with like a lot of young pieces, like good, solid, young cores. You got AJ Griffin, Goro Kongu on there. Like they got good young players that could be put together to make a package towards a bigger player like a Pascal Siakam. Like they need to do it. They need to do that big move. And the first step is uh, getting rid of Murray. So I like that one. I agree. Dan, who's your number 11? 
Uh, no, it's my 10. I just did my 11, I believe, right? I'm running out of... We're at 10 now? All right, 10. Who's yeah. your number 10? Uh, we got the Houston Rockets at 10. Um, yeah, also pretty simple. Just keep letting uh, Shengun cook, you know, selfie. Respects, man. I take back what I said. He's been amazing this season. Um, it's cool. And, yeah, he's been awesome. Fred and Dylan have been doing their jobs well, and I think that they really complimented him well. It's actually Brooks' most efficient year to date, so that's very, very good for him. Uh, but for the, like... At, like more in the resolution is like figure out what's going on with Jalen Green. Like I don't like. I think it's time to start worrying if he can be an imp- impactful player in the NBA. Uh, it's the third year and like he hasn't really shown that he can be that. And like I think now it's you start to actually like consider building around Shangun instead of Green. So yeah, that's the year's resolution. Figure out what's going on with Jalen Green. I don't want to talk about Jalen Green. <laughs> yeah, we don't have to. If you guys just agree, we can go to the next one. Yeah, like, honestly, I don't really care to talk about him either, but, like, I do think he is the thing that, like, he's the second overall pick, and, like, a bunch of these third-year players that were in the same draft class are looking a lot better than he is, and it's not like he's in, like, a slump. Like, these have been his stats for, like, all three years. He hasn't really improved. He obviously has a lot of upside, but, like, just hasn't really shown it. So I don't really know what else there is to say about him. Everybody else on their roster who's young has been getting better, and he just hasn't, yeah. like you said, Dan. And, like, instead he's getting benched late in some of these games where he should absolutely be playing, and then he's posting, like, cryptic stories on Instagram being upset about it. Like, yeah, it's just one of those things like Jalen Green. Like, either keep up or you're going to be gone, and that's unfortunate because he has talent. He can play really well. I'm pretty sure, like, yesterday he, put a, he dropped, like, six threes in a game or whatever it was. So, like, he's a good player, and he can be good. It's just consistency and, like, They've set up this roster perfectly for you. They brought in a vet, a multiple vets, and Jeff Green, Fred Van Vliet, Dylan Brooks, guys you can really learn from. Yes, your role is going to change now because of it, but take advantage of the situation. Other guys are Alperin Shengun, who I think should start getting love for MIP talks. I'm just saying he should be in contention for it. Absolutely. Like, look at a guy like him and what he's doing with his And obviously it's easier because he's a big playing with some of these guards who have the ball a lot. And like a guy like Fred is taking minutes from you, Jalen. I get that. But Take advantage of it. Learn from a guy like that. Because the second you start playing better than Fred, you think they're going to stop and let Fred still be that guy? No. The second you're looking better than him, they will change things. That's just yeah. the truth of it. Because they know you're the future. So act like it. Yeah, he doesn't seem to have a very good attitude as well. Seems like a little bit... Uh, like, I don't know him personally. But just based off stuff I've seen on the internet, and then also his game, like, seems like a tiny bit of a diva. I'm not going to call him a diva. But seems like he could be swaying that way. So, you know. Just hopefully things get better. We move into number 10 for the East. Chicago Bulls, Zolfi. Yeah, the Chicago Bulls. Again, not a super complicated one. You can probably see this one coming. But uh, free Zach Levine. Get him out of there. Let him go to a different team. Uh, I think it's kind of like a win-win situation. The Bulls have looked better with Levine not there and playing. Obviously, you know he offers a lot offensively. Not the greatest defender. But they just seem like... Not addition by subtraction per se, but just the attitude is a little different with the team or the vibe around it. They're playing a bit better. Like, I think there's redundancy around DeRozan and Levine being on the same team to begin with. And we already know that core is kind of like tapped out at this point. So Levine can obviously fit on a lot of teams. I could see him in New York. I could see him in uh, L.A. in either of those situations. Probably the Lakers more likely. So Levine, just free him from the situation. Let him go to a team and let him actually try to play some meaningful basketball. This guy is good. We obviously know he's not a 1A player. Like, he's been put in situations like with Minnesota previously and then now with Chicago. So, like, let's see this guy 
be part of a better core and reliable teammates and then kind of go from there. So free Levine and let's see what the situation is like for both sides. Yeah, couldn't agree. Like he's an all-star player. Want him to get to a good team. I think he can do a lot more than he's been doing, uh, like in terms of impacting a team because his team just isn't really that good. So his impact doesn't really go as far as it should. So yeah, free Levine, man. All about that. How impressive has Colby White been, though, since Levine has gone out of that starting lineup? Yeah, with his yeah. injury. He, impressive. Extremely impressive. So, yeah, I agree. Let uh, let Levine go. Where would you want to yeah. see Levine go, though? Yeah, it's it's weird because uh, I want to say his situation reminds me a lot of Aaron Gordon, where like he was just asked to do too much in his in his first couple like uh, spots. I guess like Aaron Gordon was in one spot. Obviously, Levine's a much like better offensive player, and his numbers are a lot better than Aaron Gordon's were when he was in Orlando. But it's just like... I really do want him to kind of fit into a system and not go somewhere where they want to build a team around him. I think that's the first mistake. Having Levine, whose skill set is really easy to kind of fit into multiple situations, I think it's so like the Lakers do make a lot of sense. They could use more scoring punch reliably in their starting lineup. I think Levine can play off ball LeBron James really, really well. Obviously, play the one the pick and roll game with AD as well when he needs to. So like I think it makes sense. There's not a lot of other teams where I feel like he immediately goes and it's just like a perfect fit. Like, hey, the 76ers could be a really good fit too for what it's worth, but I don't know if that's happening. So I think there's a, I think it's not going to be like teams that are trying to spark like into contention. If that makes sense, it's not going to be a middle team. I don't think, I think it's going to be a team that wants to take that step into like the top four or top six in the league. That's going to make a move for a Zach Levine. So I, my bet, my money's on like the Lakers being that squad, but yeah, I don't know. There's, there's not many situations out there that make ton, a ton of sense. I don't know if you guys have different answers. I like the Lakers a lot for, for Levine. Yeah, he fits with the Lakers. I just—is it possible that do they even have the assets for that? It was just like I don't even know if they really have draft capital. They have like a twenty twenty seven pick, I think. Uh, but like the Bulls, they just need to do something. And uh, yeah. Jake's right. Kobe White has been awesome. It, it funny stat: his points per game jump is the highest in the NBA, even higher than Tyrese Maxey and some of these other guys. So he's made the biggest wow. leap, like points per game wise, in the entire league this season. So he's been awesome. So maybe build around him and then kind of see what else you can get out of some of these other guys, maybe get a draft pick or two and go from there. Part of it's also just getting Levine's money off the books as well too, right? Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, I think this is now the Suns, Daniel, number nine. All right, let's, let me scroll back down. Uh, the Phoenix Suns, grow up. Just grow up, bro. That's it. <laughs> grow up. Stop back like a little child. This is what you wanted. You Boo. traded for a superstar and then within the same year, traded for another star and now you're upset that there's no depth to carry the team during the regular season it's stupid what did you expect grow up that's it grow is up. that their fault though like how like how are they're not upset at anyone else are they what do you mean like you're telling them to grow up but like what have they really said or done that's like oh they need to like grow up about it like are they complaining that they're not healthy i think i'm okay i think i'm mostly referring to a ton of Suns fans that like hate KD for the organization trading for him. They're like, have you guys not seen that on Twitter? Like, okay, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I've seen that. So if you're telling I, Suns I fans to grow up, absolutely go for it. Yeah, okay. I guess I guess we're we're supposed to be talking about organizations. I've just seen so many Suns fans being like, Oh, I hate KD. Like, why would they trade for him? Like they traded for him before trading for Beal. So like they ha- they still had pieces. They didn't have to trade for Beal. I just I don't know, man. I but apparently KD's frustrated, so maybe he needs to grow up too, because like you also probably played a part in wanting Beal. So, like, I just don't – like, I'm a big fan of KD. I love KD. I'm definitely not a KD hater. But, like, if you're actually if, if you're actually upset about the team, uh, 
because like you guys are not like do like having enough pieces around you like what did you expect you traded for beal after trading for kd like the entire team was like scrapped for these big guys like i just like what do you what do you expect i don't know that that's just that's what i'm thinking what are you guys thinking if i speak i'm gonna be in big big trouble so i'm gonna let spencer speak instead whoa whoa why yeah i I know Katie's been complaining a little bit, so I think he he definitely just needs to accept that this is like like kind of his doing and that he needs to work through it and they need to make the play and that's really it, at least. Like they need to make the playoffs. That's bottom line. Yeah. I am here to stand up for the Suns and for Kevin Durant, because I'm a big Kevin Durant fan, obviously I'm biased. But like hey, Woj reported that KD was frustrated with this roster and then KD immediately replies via social media to say that like this is completely made up and the fact oh, that really? yeah, he replied on to an Instagram oh, comment that. saying that. that like this is false. Woj can just make stuff up, ask any of my teammates and uh coaching stuff how they think I am as a teammate and what I'm like. So like that's not to say it's not true, but at least KD's denying the fact that he's frustrated with this roster publicly. So I think that is worth something and like I don't know how like they're not supposed to be frustrated. Like, yes, you're right. They're really top-heavy. But the top-heavy part of it hasn't gotten to play together. The top three guys in Beal, Booker, and KD have played 25 minutes together before yesterday. And they won yesterday. And they were plus 15 before that. So they were good. So I would be frustrated, too, if I was the Suns. Like, if there's a resolution here, it's be healthy. Like, I don't know how you can make that happen, but it's, like, literally, it's just like the Brooklyn Nets situation. Like, we can bag Katie all we want about wanting to go to super teams and wanting to build these, uh, uh, like, crazy, like, trios, but the numbers are uh, show the fact that these trios are good, and that's what he wants, right? That's what uh, people expected. It's just that they haven't been able to play together for one reason or another. So, hell, if I'm Katie, I'm frustrated, too, because you put this team together, you want these guys to play with, you're good when you play with them, you just haven't been able to. So, like, I don't know if I blame them for that per se because, yeah, they're shallow, but the, the three guys do their job when they're out there together. You know what? I respect it. I respect it. I didn't know KD denied it. I did not know that. I kind of want to Changes everything for you, Dan. What's that? Changes everything for you? Well, I'm a, I'm a KD fan, too, to begin with. I've always defended KD. I don't think he's a snake. I don't see anything wrong with what he's done. And, like, I didn't know he denied it. So that, that does change things a little bit. Yeah, it does. Shout out KD, bro. You know what? I'm just shouting out. I'm just giving flack to the Suns fans now since they've been hating on KD and like acting all fucking or sorry, whoops, uh, acting all. Uh, I might have to change the 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 rating of this podcast. It's like three in a row I'm sorry, now. Man, I forgot. I forgot. Sometimes I forget and I just, just let it bleep. You know, it just happens. But that's uh, okay. No, Suns fans, just chill out, bro. You literally have like three, like you have two superstars and like a perennial all star. Please, just just stop. It's going to come together. Just stop complaining so much. Yeah, That's Kevin Durant. Woo. All right. Uh, uh, so salty. Bro. So salty. Is this That's new? Hater, Is this new to you guys? You guys know I'm not a Kevin Durant fan. Respect you're a Kevin loser. Durant, bro. Hey, KD, whoa. God. You can't just call me a loser like that. What do you mean? <laughs> what are you doing? You know I'm a fragile little man. What? Oh, God. Why do I say it like that? <laughs> <laughs> anyways our, our, the first snippet we ever clipped from the show is gonna be that by the way it's just gonna be please Jay don't calling himself fragile just, little man. The Twitter header. just, just you know, a fragile little man, little man. I, I don't think my oh god no i don't is I it the same guy who said he could take on michael porter jr <laughs> by the way hey man i don't believe that right you still don't believe that right 
now that uh, his brother is in Toronto, you know, maybe we can make it happen. <laughs> Next question. Next team. Let's go. Yeah, let's go. Let's move on. Let's move on. Uh, number nine, Brooklyn Nets. Uh, fine. I really hate to say this, but this is probably what makes the most sense to me is a get yourself a veteran coach. Hell, Jacques Vaughn and Monty Williams flip. Trade for each other. I don't understand this whole situation with uh, Mikhail Bridges and the rest of these like vets uh, recently. They're upset. Like Mikhail Bridges played 12 minutes the other day. Guys like Cam Johnson sat. And apparently they it was a team decision based on load management and whatnot. But like this Brooklyn Nets team has talent, and yeah, there may be a move away and they could add to it. But they're also a team that needs to kind of just have like that veteran leadership from the top down. I don't think I see it. I don't think Jock wants a bad coach, but again, it's one of those situations where I think he's more of a developmental coach. And yes, Mikhail Bridges and Cam Johnson, these guys are younger, but I don't think they're necessarily young. You can't be getting outperformed by guys like. Uh, the Orlando Magic on Indiana Pacers for the season. I don't think you should be like worse than these teams technically. And yes, you did beat the Magic not that long ago, but it required Mikhail Bridges going absolutely nuts and scoring like 30 points in the first quarter and having like a tying a season high of 42. So our career high that is. So like, I think this team should be better. And I think coaching can change a bit of that. Adding a veteran coach that's going to be no nonsense, like a Monty Williams to kind of uh, take a team over the top, I think is important. And that would probably be it. Again, there's not much else to say. Mikhail Bridges is really good. Let's unlock him a little bit. Switch Monty Williams to Jacques Vaughn. Why the hell not? I just, you really think Monty Williams is going to do that much for this team? I don't think it's going to be that much, but I think it's going to be more in the direction that they want because obviously they don't want to be a tanking team. And I think that's more of a rational decision than this like delusion that they should just trade for like a Donovan Mitchell and see what happens from there. Like how are Donovan Mitchell and Mikhail Bridges like not kind of the same player on different ends? Donovan's better offensively, Mikhail's better defensively, but they're kind of like offering you similar things, in my opinion, at least. So I don't really see how that makes them that much better. Uh, obviously, a guy like Donovan will be good, but how realistic is it for them to get a guy like that without giving up a lot of like their like roster depth anyways? So I think just adding a veteran coach to kind of steady a bit of uh, the, I guess, indiscrepancies of this team is important. And uh, again, this would also help the Pistons, who could use a developmental coach, like a guy like Jacques Vaughn, who was good with this team when they were a bit younger. So, I don't know. Like, nothing's going to make them a championship contender unless this roster gets a huge overhaul. So, I think this is kind of, like, maybe a, a, a baby step along the way. Can you trade coaches? Yeah. You like, can. Doc Rivers was traded. For another coach? Doc Rivers was traded. I think it's usually for, like, compensation of some kind. It's not like uh, you're trading coach for coach. I'm sure it's happened. Like, there's been swaps. But usually, like, the coach is under contract and the other team gets him via trade. Like oh, rather yeah, than him yeah, being fired. Yeah, you can't trade coach for player, coach for coach, but you can trade coach for picks. Yeah, there you go. What the hell? <laughs> yeah, Doc Rivers, man, to the 76ers. Terrible trade, by the way. They should have just fired him. <laughs> yeah, I'd love crazy. to see coach for It's been a while trade, since you've hated crazy. on Doc Rivers. There's no yeah, reason to. He's on the broadcast. I kind of just muted. Otherwise, my ears bleed. That's about it. <laughs> Welcome to ESPN. Uh, okay. <laughs> Actually, not a bad Doc Rivers impression. Yeah, I kind of want to kick you from this call now, but it's not bad. I'm the host. You can't do it. Uh, find a way. Lakers. Uh, Lakers, uh, respectfully to these guys, trade away the losing players and get some winning players back. That's it. Uh, Christian Wood, D'Lo, I'm looking at you guys. Uh, you guys can be good, but I just don't think, you know, I don't think they lead to championships. Um and I still think you can get value for them. They do have their place in the NBA, obviously. I just don't think it's on a championship team. Um, and I, 
I know we're talking about like trading for Levine, but like I actually don't think the Lakers need to trade for like a big dog or anything like that. Like you can, you like you have LeBron and AD. Like that, in my opinion, is enough. Those are two amazing, amazing, amazing players. So just get a couple other reliable role players, and you know, hope things improve with the core that you already have. And yeah, that's it. That's the that's the thing. Make a trade and get rid of the players that don't really contribute to championship basketball. Yeah, I think that one's pretty self-explanatory. Does anyone else have any other qualms with that? I think that's, I think that's pretty in line with what we all think. Yeah, I think there's yeah. just two things. It's uh the the LeBron uh, recipe hasn't changed in his entire career, but shooters around him in a dynamic big, and it usually works out well. So hey, Lakers, maybe try that. Uh, you add like a slash add it again. The Levine thing. The reason why I like it is that it reminds me of the Miami Heat days a little bit. Levine kind of in the Wade role, and then you have AD being the Chris Bosh role. So I think he could work uh given that situation and also uh i'm kind of curious on you guys' thoughts on the whole darvin ham austin reeves apparent beef going on austin reeves not happy with his role recently and darvin ham is apparently part of that and there's also been the meme of darvin ham going around that just doesn't do anything other than put his hands in his pockets and just walk around out there on the court so i'm curious if you guys have any thoughts on any of that stuff uh not really like I don't think it's like a coach is going to change roles of some players and like they're going to either have to adjust or just sulk about it. Like it's, I don't know. I don't really think there's too much to it. Uh, this happens with like a lot of teams and like Austin Reeves will eventually figure it out. Uh, he's been good on the bench too, to be fair. Exactly. Like he's been fine. So it's like maybe Darvin Ham is right. Like he's been good off the bench. So I don't know. I don't really think there's too much to it. And especially with Gabe Vincent, like, he's out for a couple months. That could make more opportunity uh, for Austin Reeves. And, like, that also plays into, like, what I'm saying. Like, stick with the core you have. Like, hopefully things will be better by the time Gabe Vincent gets back, you know? So, yeah, I don't think there's too much to it. Austin Reeves is also, like, first in six-man-of-the-year rankings right now. So I I think his role is, like, I don't know if that's a little bit of bias towards from media – uh, but I think he's he's started to carve out a better role, so I don't really know what more he wants. It could be like an Eric Gordon situation, of like give me the ball, I want more. But uh, well, I, God, apparently that guy drops twenty points in the first half, so maybe we were wrong about that. But uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think they just need to. They have some tradable pieces. I think it's just that's just the first step you got to do is you just got to get D'Lo off the team, which. It's kind of crazy. I was the defender of D'Lo going into the season, being like, oh, no, he fits the team very well. And now, like, nah, I don't know. He, he feels very much like kind of like a Terry Rozier role, you know? Zolfi, you mentioned Terry Rozier with the Charlotte Hornets. It kind of feels like he's like the same thing there. He's just kind of like the odd man out that's kind of just hanging around a little bit. But, yeah, uh, they'll trade some plays. They'll be fine. I, I'm not too worried about the Lakers overall this season. Uh, Zolfi, you're Indiana Pacers. Yes, sir. The Pacers currently 16 and 14, by the way. The 36 and a half wins, or sorry, we changed to 37 and a half wins to help you, Jake, uh, is looking pretty good still. Uh, yeah, the Pacers, I think we all know the obvious uh, wish list move here is uh, get a starting defender in that lineup. Get a 3 and D type of guy in there. I think if we want to be spicy, we can talk about like maybe consider trading Buddy Heald. I think he still fits well with Tyrese Halliburton. I know a lot of people think uh, Buddy Heald is worth trading, but I think it's more just to trade some of these young pieces to get a guy to in that starting lineup who can get some stops because God knows no one else in that starting lineup can. Uh, Miles Turner gets a lot of blocks, but ironically, he's just not stopping a lot of people, if that makes sense. 
He's just not really a rim deterrent in that way, I guess. So I think the Pacers need to go after somebody like obviously OG Ananobi's probably off the board now because he's been traded to the Knicks. I don't think the Knicks are dealing him away. Uh, so keep inquiring about Pascal Siakam. There's other three and D guys out there in the league that you can probably try to consider. So see what you can get. Maybe PJ Tucker is available again. He's been traded once this season. May as well try again. Uh, Jeff Green on the on the Rockets. Why the hell not? There's a couple guys out there that. Uh, hey, uh, the Nuggets need some depth. Maybe they give up a KCP to get some depth in their situation. So uh, that is something to maybe think about. Just try to add some defense to this roster. Yeah, definitely so. need some defense. I think you nailed, nailed that. Are you guys willing to give up Buddy Heald, given how good their offense has been, just so that he gets some defense on this team? I know a lot of people online seem to be okay with Buddy Heald being traded, or they think it's realistic. But personally, I don't know if I would, because I really like the fit. But, like... They are so good on offense anyways. You think they could still do that without him? I do. Uh, yeah. I, I know Tyrese and Heald have worked very well together, but like Heald's your biggest trade asset. At one po- at what point, like, do you gotta just be like, okay, like we gotta make the sake for the make trade for making the sake of making the trade to make our team better? Like and he's been there for a while and you got flashes of it. I just I don't know I I think there's a point where you just can kind of move on and you gotta if you can find a chance to make your team better defensively and upgrade like do it take it don't just hold on to players just for the sake of seeing what this core can do because yeah I, I, we've said it so many times like this is a team that I think can take the next step with trades and make their team that much better like you have that bona fide stud go and do it don't hold on to just Buddy Heald just because they're so good together if you can upgrade your team go for it. Well, I mean, like, Buddy Hill was also moved to the bench like, a couple of games ago, or was it last week? I can't even remember. And, like, every Pacers fan seemed to be ecstatic, but like, they were so happy that he went to the bench. And, like, you actually, like, I'm not saying he's playing bad, but if you actually look through all of, and I'm being a box score watcher here, but, like, he doesn't, like, he has, like, 7, 11, 0 points, 14, 25, 15, 20. Like, he isn't exactly, like, consistently putting up numbers, and that's kind of, like, really the only thing you expect of him is to be a good shooter and like the fact that he got moved to the bench i and he had he still has a lot of trade value there'd be a ton of teams that would kill to have him uh i don't i think they'd be fine to trade for him especially because they have a lot of young blooming a lot of blooming young players that are going to be really good so yeah I, I think they'd be fine to be honest well that's also the thing is like which one of the young players would they want to give up over and like personally like especially their, their their wing players i wouldn't want to give up any of them so yeah, I can totally agree. Back to the West, right. Daniel. Uh, we have, after Lakers, we have in seventh place the Pelicans, the New Orleans Pelicans. actually wrote quite a bit for this one. Um, just improve your mental strength and improve your teamwork. You know, like when I watch this team, I don't often see them playing as a team. I see like a bunch of guys that's just going for their own buckets, not playing team ball. And like, I'm not saying the whole team is like that, but like, like Zion and Ingram specifically, I feel like need to be better. It just doesn't feel like a serious team. Like they're just, I don't consider them contenders at all. And they just like need to get it together. And I'm not alone in that actually their own center who we love. Jonas Valanciunas, big JV uh, is not happy with the team. Uh, He said, and I quote, it's not a secret. We struggle at the end of games, especially in the fourth quarter. We need to do something better, man up and take the challenge. We've got to improve. From physicality, wanting it more, being smarter, everything has to improve. End quote. So he's not happy. The team, the team knows there's something wrong. So they just 
they just need to improve their mental capacity and you know work more as a team. That's their that's their New Year's resolution. I like it. Beautiful. Yeah, spot on. Not much to change. Zion yeah. Williams and uh, play better. Be smarter. <laughs> yeah, I could call him fat All this right. time. Yeah. I didn't call him fat. I said LeBron would probably call him fat. Very different. Mm, okay, if you say so. Yeah, I, I like right, it, fragile man. little boy. <laughs> okay, right, that's we're not roasting me now. All right, leave me alone. <laughs> okay. Easties, let's go. Zolfi. What do you got, Zolfi? <laughs> uh, the New York Knicks are up next. And again, hard to kind of say much else about them because they just made their move, trading for OG Ananobi. They did also get Precious Achua and uh, Malachi Flynn. So, hey, here's my New Year's resolution. Uh, develop some of these young guys that you do have left. Uh, in pre- I'm, I'm looking at Precious Achua. Precious Achua, you're going to be working behind Julius Randle, and my God, that's kind of a scary proposition to model your career after Julius Randle. But uh, very similar career arcs in the up-and-down players. Julius Randle does it every other season, basically. He has a good year and a bad year, but this year he's also looking good, and maybe he's found that consistency alongside Jalen Brunson. So try to see what you can learn from him. So Precious Achua, maybe Tom Thibodeau can get you to figure something out. Taj Gibson is back on this team. But right now, until Mitchell Robinson is back and Isaiah Hartenstein is fully healthy, you're going to have an opportunity to learn from these guys. Learn from Julius Randle. Learn from Taj Gibson. So outside of the obvious that OG Ananobi is probably going to have an increased role in what he can do with this team now, uh, my resolution is to have Precious Achua kind of figure out himself in the NBA on the New York Knicks. I like it. I don't think it's going to happen, but I like it. (laughs) Uh, I hope so for Precious. Poor guy. Yeah, he's just a, he's a tough watch sometimes, you know. You just really, it's just the decision making is really you can't. Te- it's really really hard to teach decision making. That is a very a very hard thing to teach in sports. And I feel like, but he's what twenty three now. Like if you don't have it by this point, if you haven't shown flashes of it, I feel like I haven't seen a lot of flashes. I've seen a lot of raw talent, uh, but I haven't seen the decision making, and that's a big concern for me. And a big reason as to why I was happy to see him included in that trade, to be honest. Um, I wish him the best, of course. I'm not trying to roast the guy. But, uh, yeah, that's a good New Year's resolution, Dolphy. I just uh, I don't think it's going to happen, buddy. Sorry, man. Uh, yeah, you're I, not wrong. Yeah, I, I don't I don't really see that one happening. I kind of want to pivot a little. This isn't really New Year's resolution, but I was just thinking this. With the OG and Anobi trade, like, I, I know everyone's saying, oh, Donovan Mitchell, at the end of his Cleveland tenure next year, he's going to be immediately going to the Knicks. Like, does this change that a little bit for you guys? Do you think that they have like a one-year, one and two, basically two-year sample period with OG before they think they make any other brash decisions with Randall's future? Uh, like, does that change anything getting OG with getting possibly Donovan Mitchell on that team? I mean, financially, it does. Yeah, like if you're gonna pay OG because you just traded for him, you have a Randall and a Brunson to look at as well. So a lot of money going around for a team that if they get Donovan Mitchell and somehow keep the rest of these guys, they're probably like a top four team in the East, but it's really hard to make the money work, I I would think. Uh, But yeah, I don't know. I think it's a bit of a complicated situation, but New York is going in the right direction. That's all I know. And they haven't done that in a really, really long time. Uh, The reason why I want Precious Achua to hopefully turn it around is because he has the potential to be an all-NBA defender. And OG Ananobi and Precious Achua... If they both work out how they're supposed to, the New York Knicks just traded for two all NBA level defenders. So hopefully they can get that out of this uh, package. Yeah. Um, 
it does change it financially. But like the Knicks also, based off history, are not afraid to make a a big jump or a stupid trade. And I'm not saying trading for Donovan Mitchell would be stupid. I just think that maybe, you know, completely if things are going well and completely like uh like uprooting the team, I I could absolutely see the Knicks doing that. They just I feel like they don't think a lot of the time. So could happen. We'll see. Back to the east. Back to the east. Oh wait. Hey, we're just in west. The, west. the west sorry <laughs> back to the west uh, Sac- yeah i'll get i'll get back to uh, sacramento kings uh get better at defense bro that's it you can cook as many teams as you want on offense but if you can't play like a defense you're in big big trouble they're currently ranked 21st in the league they have a defensive rating of one 116.2 uh and i don't consider a team a legitimate playoff team if they're not top 10 in at least both offense and defense so get up there you can't be 21st and consider yourself a serious team because your offense is amazing, but in the playoffs, shit gets real, and they you, they lock down, so your defense better lock down too. That's my New Year's resolution. Figure that out. Two very yeah, similar one. teams in the Kings and the Pacers in very similar situations, both struggling defensively. It's a it's an interesting parallel between the two of them that I just noticed. I, 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 yeah, I think you're spot on, though. Yeah, yeah, the top it, 10 in both is a great, great call because usually that's really what you measure championship team off is if they're top 10 in defense and offense or even top five, some people would say. So yeah. it's hard when if you're that bad. No, completely. Especially top, if they're top five in both, that's like that's a contender. Like that, I expect you to make it at least conference finals. Um, but yeah, if you're not top 10 in both, I, I just don't consider you making a serious run because it's like one of those is going to break and it's going to be the one that you rank 21st in and you're going to get owned because playoffs like things really get real it's not like regular season teams don't go easy they go hard and it's going to come back to bite you if they don't figure that out so figure that out in the new year that's your job Sophie. man who who would you say is the best defender on that king's team too harrison barnes it's so <laughs> bad it, is it him are they that bad like, I don't know, <laughs> really man. who, who do you think know. like malik monk no De'Aaron, De'Aaron Fox, Fox and DeMontis Sabonis. the reason why you're ranked 21st your two best player De'Aaron Fox and DeMontis Sabonis just don't play defense yeah. So like, does oh, anyone man, play defense on this team? It's bleak. It's really bleak defensively. I just couldn't tell you who their best defender is. Uh, it's got to oh, be uh, Davion, Davion Mitchell. Mitchell? Yeah. Davion Mitchell, right? It's got to yeah. be Davion Mitchell. Yeah, like, oh. and this is this is a young guy too, which is kind of not who you want your best defender to be. Yeah, he's not going to be guarding like big wings, or he's not going to guard all five positions. That's they're they're in trouble. No, yeah, yeah. Like, really got to do something much. with that. Hey, yeah. shout out De'Aaron Fox though. He's been kind of balling lately, taking Steph Curry style shots. At least. Well, we do know their offense is good and it's looking extra good lately. So there's that, I guess. That's my point guard. That's my point guard. So I'll be back to the East. Who do you got? We have the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, Another simple one. uh, uh, My resolution for them is to get healthy. You have lost Darius Garland and Evan Mobley for extended periods with different injuries. Darius Garland's injury was really weird. He had a fracture in his face after running into Kristaps Porzingis. That's kind of exactly how it happened which is weird, and Evan Mobley's dealing with knee issues and other things, so his team can be good, and like Jake mentioned, they're kind of trying to coax uh, Donovan Mitchell into staying. I mean, they're 18 and 14, given all the situation and even their slow start, so I think they have the potential to still be a really good team, and uh, I think uh, for Evan Mobley's sake and the whole, like, he was better than Scotty Barnes is what some people are saying last year, for that narrative, like, he needs to just start playing better and getting healthy is the first way in doing that. So I think for them it's simple. Cleveland, get healthy, and then you never know what can happen come playoff time. Yeah, he's, he's not better than Scotty Burns. <laughs> he is not. No. You're a spitting. But uh, 
I think a big thing for me is uh, I I feel like they just are really missing a wing defender. There's just I'm just trying to think like other than Okara, but you can't play Okara in like important minutes because he has no offense. So it's like OG would have been amazing for them, but obviously they're not gonna make that trade. Um, they just need a wing defender because they have big defenders, they have guard defenders, they don't really have that like lockdown wing defender. And in my opinion, the wing is like arguably like the most important position. One of the most, I mean, you could argue this for any position, but the wing is so important in basketball. And like, if you can't get someone to stop a Kawhi, a LeBron, uh, a Scotty, because you know, that's, that's our guy, you know, like you can't. <laughs> no <laughs> bias you don't here. Have to stop them, you're in big trouble, you know, like, yeah. and like, I really think they need that. So yeah, that's, that, that would be my resolution personally, but yeah, they definitely need to get healthy. That's a, that's a really big deal. I want to give a little bit of love to Jared Allen because the lights were a little bright to start the season after the playoffs, but uh, he's really come on recently. He's he's looked back to Jared Allen that uh, we all know and love. So he, he he's part of the reason that they started to like pick up some wins a, a lot more. And uh, yeah, they just need to get healthy. They got to get Mobley back. They got to get everyone gelling again. Get that starting lineup going. They need Garland back. Like that, they'll be fine once they get healthy again. Like it just really is going to be what happens in the playoffs. Like if they make the playoffs first of all. Because, you know, the East is really close right now. But I think they'll make the playoffs still and just get healthy. You'll be fine. Back to the West again. Daniel, who do you got for us? Uh, I have the Mavericks. Uh, another simple one that people have been calling for, honestly, years now. Luca's whole career. Get a big man. Like, I'm just tired of these mediocre players being in the front court. And, like, Derek Lively, I know, has been good, but he's 19 years old. And, like, do something now. Luca is just such a special talent. Like this guy is going to probably be one of the like top two player in the league eventually, if not already. Like it needs to happen, and like you just got to have an elite front court player beside him. And like yeah, like I said, his whole career we've been begging for this. You know, they they traded for KP, and it's like that didn't really work out. I know we like I don't know if you guys saw him on like the like whose podcast was it? Was it? Do you guys remember the podcast he was on? Was it JJ Reddick? Yeah, I think it was on JJ yeah, Reddick's podcast. It was, and uh, like he was just saying, like their egos were like kind of big, and like like KP sometimes wouldn't even try on some possessions because like he just didn't want to be there and stuff like that, which is like it's pretty shitty. Like like that's annoying to hear, but like I just want an elite front court player. I guess it doesn't have to be a center, but like at least a power forward who's just elite alongside Luca. You know, they've had a couple backcourt players who are alongside him who are great, obviously, but just you know. Give me a front court player. I want that. I want that. I want to see Luca working with an elite big man. And I just feel like we haven't seen that. So that's the New Year's resolution. Make a trade for that. Although I, I know they're kind of tied up with assets. I don't think they have a lot of picks. Um, hard to trade some of their players. But yeah, I would love to see an elite uh, front court player for them. I'll put the name back out there again. Clint Capella. I think he's the perfect piece for that team. And if they're going to oversell for him, do it. I, I really think that Clint Capella would work really well with Luca and Kyrie, who also needs to get healthy. I think that's another main thing is they got to get Kyrie healthy and you got to see what the two of them do together because they, quite frankly, just have not played that many games together. Like the, the Kyrie and Luca situation is just, I don't think people are talking about it as much. Like it's just, they haven't played. And that's mainly because Luca is carrying the team on his back. Like if there's not a player in the league that carries a team more on its back, it's Luca. And he's doing that at like 23, 24 years old, which is ridiculous. I, I would love Capella to come with that team. I think he's really good. I think it would fit well with the Hawks trying to trade for some people. Like you, you have Tim Hardaway Jr. still on the Mavs. Like 
you could easily move him away for someone like Capella. Why not? Yeah, isn't he making like 18 mil or something like that? He's a good tradable contract. That's a great contract to trade. Yeah. I, I, why not? Why not explore something like that? Yeah. Well, like it. Capella would be a great fit there. He would. I honestly, I was thinking bigger, but like Capella actually would just be a good fit there. He'd be a really good fit. And like when I say I'm thinking bigger, I didn't have any names in mind. I was thinking like All Star, but Capella would be amazing there. Yeah, that'd be a great fit. I'd love what about Siakam? He's he, Siakam would be so good with that man. He I would. thought about that too. He would be so good with Luca. That would actually be crazy. Wow, what a duo that'd be. That would be quite the yeah. duo. Anyway, yeah, you're yeah. starting to. I saw you like <laughs> drifting away a little bit. Your eyes were like, yeah, oh. my eyes were like, damn. Like maybe we should look into that, but I don't think the the Mavericks have any like actual assets we want. No, not that I can think maybe of on the top of my head. I'll take Derek Lively. It'd be Le- yeah. Derek Lively and then Omax because he's Canadian. That's about it. We're just gonna yeah, build a Canadian roster. Picks, right? Sorry, they don't. they don't have any. They, I think they have like one pick. Like I don't think they have any picks. They traded away a lot of their picks to get Luca or to get uh, Kyrie. Sorry, right. I don't think they have really that much. But no, Clint Capella, man, Pancake Mamba, get him over there. We good? Yeah, I'd like it. Zolfi. We are on to the Orlando Magic in the East at number five. And uh, all of me just wants to say... Can I just get you to say that again? Repeat that sentence. Yeah. (laughs) Orlando Magic are currently fifth in the East. Actually tied with the Heat, who are fourth. So 19 and 12, both teams. (laughs) It's crazy. So they could be top four. Insane uh, team. They've been kind of like uh, mid the last couple games. They're five and five over the last 10. But still, 19 and 12 overall. They've been one of the best defenses in the entire league. And uh, all of me just wants to say do nothing, and I think that'd be fine. I think they're very on the OKC trajectory, or at least in the early part of it, where they're being patient with it. They're growing through their young guys. Jalen Suggs has looked really good. Cole Anthony has looked better. Obviously, Franz and Paolo, you think one of them is probably going to be an all-star at least. Very likely Paolo over Franz because he's been kind of taking over more recently. And uh, I think this team is just good at being patient or they should be Wendell Carter Jr. has been fully healthy otherwise I'd say look for like a big man so Carter Jr. has played 10 games now he's kind of getting back into the mix I think he's a good big man alongside them uh so I think keep it as it is if you wanted to do something you have two older guys in Gary Harris and Jonathan Isaac who are not fully part of the rotation sometimes they play a lot sometimes they don't and we already know Jonathan Isaac's injury history so maybe you try flipping those guys to get you some kind of added depth or just a different kind of like young asset to go along with it. But I really don't think they need to do anything. My resolution for the Orlando Magic is kind of just keep doing what's been working. I agree. Yeah. What uh, else can you say? Really? Spencer, are you still a hater of the Orlando Magic? No, just their fans. Good team. Good team. Bad fans. Yeah, likable players too. Like I really got nothing against players. The fans just really hate Scotty. And I get it. You know, he's they compare... They're two draft draft picks, you know, Franz and, and Suggs, but uh Scotty better. Sorry. Oh. <laughs> Speaking of All which, right. has everyone voted for Scotty Barnes today for All Star? Uh today I have not, I'm thank not. you. I'm gonna get on that. Friendly reminder to go vote for Scotty Barnes as always. Daniel Every day. who's the number five in the West? Uh it's actually number four, and I actually I accidentally mixed up uh five and six Mavs are actually six and Kings are fifth. I did them opposite, but that's at the time of speaking that could very well change. Um, but fourth place is the Los Angeles Clippers. Um, honestly, they're eight and two in their last 10. 
I just said continue doing what they've been doing. You know, Harden has meshed well with the team after a slow start and everyone questioning it, but it's working now. You know, Kawhi's been extremely efficient. He can't miss a bucket right now. Uh, the, heart, uh, the offense is running through Harden. Paul George is being Paul George, which is an elite wing player. And I'm tired of hearing otherwise from 12-year-olds on Twitter. And Westbrook is coming off the bench and it's working. So I just, like, same as actually, as Zelfie just said, like, don't change it for this team. Like, it's it's working. You're 8-2 in the last 10. Keep it up. That's your New Year's resolution. Keep it going. That's it. Yeah. Kawhi's injury, is, it's starting to worry me just a little bit. Yeah. He, he went from playing every single game, and I, I'm, I'm going to say it. I, I called him out for not missing a game. And literally what happened? The very next game. And he has been out since that. I, yeah. yeah that's that's just Kawhi, though. But that's just the reality of Kawhi. Like, it's never gonna. He's always gonna go through injury stints. His knees are never gonna recover, and it's just about managing that load now. So it, it is what it is at this point. You kind of just have to expect that. Yeah, it's it's just the five games in a row that I think is a little concerning. Yeah. But I, I think you're right. They just gotta wish for health, and they just gotta keep going and moving with Harden because everyone clowned the Harden trade at the time. I know we kind of were a little bit like, uh, and then it didn't work out for the first couple of bit. But you know. That's why things are kind of a process, and you got to let it continue to roll. If there's any year that's going to be this year for the Clippers, it's like now. Like, it literally needs to be this year. So I, yeah. I think that they, we've already seen them reap the benefits of Harden coming in. I think they just got to continue to stay healthy and keep moving on. Yeah, definitely. Shout out, shout out Norman Powell. Yeah, shout, shout out, out Norman Powell, Powell man. man. He doesn't get enough love as he does. He doesn't. He's a great player. He's a baller, man. He might have a better case if he starts coming off the bench more, or maybe even rust us to win a six-man of the year. Not to switch back to the Raptors, but uh, Emmanuel quickly being traded to the Raptors probably makes him a starter. He's probably out of contention for six-man yeah. of the year, if that's the case. So some of these Clippers guys, especially like a Russell Westbrook or Norm Powell, they could probably get a lot more buzz for that award. So it'll be interesting to see. Yeah. Heat culture time. Time for heat culture. Yes, heat are at four. Seven and three over the last ten games. They started a bit slow, but they've been on fire lately. Nineteen and twelve, and uh, I just have one thing for them, and it, they've kind of already been doing it. But it's time to unleash Jaime Hawkins Jr. Let it rip, young man. Just get the ball through him. I think he is such a stud of a player. Jake, you said it before. We've been over the fact that his nickname is Juan Wick, and I think that's awesome. Uh, but it's time. Like he's the perfect Heat player. We've all already said this, but I think the best part is that like. He basically makes it so much easier on the guys around him, especially a Jimmy Butler who doesn't have to take over every night now, especially in the regular season because we know Jimmy Butler does not care about the regular season and the Heat normally don't either. He takes so much pressure off them. So I think it's time to just like as far as long as he's on this like hot streak, just feed the guy the ball. Like he's like what the first player to have 30 points in his first uh, like uh, Christmas Day game as a rookie since like Michael Jordan or whatever it was like he's been awesome. So keep feeding the ball and let him get like I want like I know people are like oh he should get love for rookie of the year but no let's take it a step further let's get this guy in the serious conversation it's gonna be hard to get in there with Chet and Wemby doing their thing but if the Heat really just kind of give him the ball and let him take over during the regular season I think it can be a really good shot and it'll obviously help him come playoff time too so Jaime Hawkins Jr. my resolution is just unleash the man he's currently ranked number three on the rookie of the year ladder which Chet Holgram has overtaken for number one when Bayama has mm-hmm. slid down to number two. Dude, uh, I'm eating him up. Everything he's putting out, every single thing that that man is doing, 
He's so good. It's insane. It's absolutely nuts. And I love watching him play. The Heat just continue to find ridiculously good role players. And he, he, him sliding all the way down, like, it just doesn't make sense. It genuinely doesn't make any sense because we all stood here being like, he's going to be good. I didn't, I didn't think he was going to be this good, man. He, this is his rookie season, and he already looks like the third best player on that team. It's ridiculous. I it's love in, it. It's insane that, like, before the draft happened and during the draft, everyone was like, oh, Jaime Hawkins Jr. is going to fall to the Heat because he's such a Heat player and the Heat are going to draft him. And everyone saw it coming. Everyone knew it. And everyone let it happen anyways. And this is what you get from it. Like, this is kind of like a shame on everybody else for like, hey, you saw it. You knew it. No one did anything about it. And here we are. Yeah, seriously. Yeah, Jaime's a good player, man. I like it. I love it. You know ball, Zofi. You know ball. Thank you, sir. Daniel, we're in this at the top three now. We're nearly at the end. Who is number All three? Right. In, oh, actually, third place now. Third place now is the Denver Nuggets. I actually thought it was the Thunder, but it's the Nuggets. Yeah, okay. just lost by uh, 40 to the Thunder. 40. <laughs> Wasn't it like 25? It was at 40 at a point. So that was the last time I checked out. It was like close to 40. Well... Am I wrong about that? I'm fairly certain it was like very close to 40 points. Uh, they lost by 26. I don't know if... if yeah, either way, it was a lot, happen. and they shouldn't have lost by a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, if they had a better bench, maybe that wouldn't have happened. And that's their New Year's resolution, is to fix up the bench. Like Zolfi mentioned earlier, they need a good bench. Maybe they can trade KCP to the team with a lot of young assets. Who knows? Uh, but, like, we've talked about this a lot, and... Their starting lineup is perfection. They just all complement each other so, so well. It's just such a beautiful starting lineup. But your bench sucks. Your bench is ass. You got to fix that now. <laughs> like, it's very important to fix that. Uh, you lost Bruce Brown. That's a big piece to lose. He's a very good player. Just just does all the little things that, like, often go uh, unnoticed. But that's a big loss for you off the bench. And uh, that's a pretty good place to start in the new year to look to improve. And, yeah, that's a New Year's resolution. My New Year's resolution. By they're definitely gonna be a bio candidate, one thousand percent. My New Year's resolution is to get Aaron Gordon a new dog. Oh, come on! Was it his dog? It was a dog. Twenty-one stitches. Yeah, it was a dog. Yeah. Get him away from dogs, then. He he quite literally does have that dog in him right now, though. But Jesus. Okay, look, Tiger Woods meme. Where you saying big, big dog? We we've, we've been yeah. recording for like over two hours. Give me a break, all right? I'm gonna get a little delusional towards the uh, end here. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, I'm with you, Dan. They need to do something against bad teams, like we saw against the Raptors. They were able to put out an all bench lineup, and then the bench all bench lineup wasn't good. That's how the Raptors came back. But their starting lineup was so good that it can make up for that. That's not going to happen come playoff time. You can only put yourself in so many holes and deficits before it becomes too much of a risky proposition for your starters to have to constantly make up for that. So uh, I think you're right. They need to add some depth. And like it, it, we kind of forget, but it's not just Bruce Brown. Jeff Green, Ish Smith, yeah. those were impactful players. Like Reggie Jackson is still doing his thing there, but like Reggie Jackson isn't going to carry you the entire time off the bench. So they need other guys uh, to kind of come and supplement it even more. So it doesn't have to be anything sexy. The Denver Nuggets are already really, really good. They're third in the West, for God's sake. But they need to do something around the fringes. We're approaching the end. Almost getting there, Zolfi. Yes. Number three. Number three, the Philadelphia 76ers. Boo. Man. 
Yeah, it sucks to say it. They've been really good. Eight and two over their last ten. They've won twenty two games. They're honestly some may say the best team in the East. No even better than the other two teams. No, no. Um, Tyrese Maxey's in contention for MIP, probably will win it given the case. Nick Nurse should be in contention for Coach of the Year with what he's doing with this team. Hell, they may make it out of the second round for the first time in like two decades. All right, let's knows? not get carried away here. <laughs> uh, but my resolution <laughs> for them is for the man himself, Joel Embiid. Uh, he is in very good contention to win his second straight MVP. He's averaging better numbers, looking really good. But uh, there's this thing about him where he's like a seven-footer. It's massive, right? So you you would think he's usually very far away from the ground, but he's not. He's constantly on the ground. He's constantly touching the ground because he's constantly throwing himself onto the ground. Joel Embiid, my resolution for you is stop doing that. Like You don't need to do that. You can get through the free throw line. You can play basketball without making it so ugly to watch and making it just so ridiculously – I don't even know the right word. It's just like – it's not a good brand of basketball. It's also dangerous. You can hurt yourself. You can hurt others. And there's really no need for that. You can manage to get free throws without doing it. Like people know you're going to get to the line. People know you're going to get fouled. But it's just not a safe and good brand of basketball. And I don't think anyone wants to see it. And like, it, I, don't, I don't think it's crazy for me to say it might cost him another MVP if he keeps this up. Because there's already going to be voter fatigue around him. Like you have, have um, Giannis won recently, Jokic won recently, and now Embiid did. That's three, that's like what, four or five years in a row of a big guy winning it. So they're probably going to want to look at a guard and like a Luca or SGA to win it. So Embiid, your numbers are going to be there. You're going to be in contention, but if they're not going to like you in the way you play, you're hurting your case. Narratives are important. So Joel Embiid, why not just play a, a simpler brand of basketball and stop just hitting the deck every 10 seconds? And then maybe you'll you'll lock up another MVP for yourself. Steve Kerr has yeah. been complaining about a lot of things this year, but him talking about how the act of superstars constantly baiting to go to the line is ruining the game for fans has never been more accurate. I've not been shy on hiding my disdain for what Joel Embiid does. And Dan, I know you said that you respect him. Yeah, I, I respect his game for how athletic he is and for how he's able to just splash threes in people's faces and how just freakishly talented he is. But I cannot respect what he is constantly doing night in and night out, foul baiting over and over and over again. It is disgusting. It does make this game very unwatchable sometimes. And I am such a big fan of this game that I love to just turn on any basketball game and watch. But when I see the 76ers, aside from their extremely annoying game ops with the stupid music in the background, yeah, no, annoying. Watching these players constantly foul bait and get to the line and having a battle of just free throws over and over and over again. Not only makes this a game about whistles, not only does this limit the talent that is the NBA because it's so talented and one of the most talented sports in the league, but it boils it down to the simplest motion of a free throw. And I hate it. I hate that it's become that. And Joel Embiid is a huge problem with that. And I'm not going to give him flowers on that. And that's all I'm going to say on that. I'm just extremely frustrated with the whole situation. I have been for a long, long time. And this season, as 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 much of his numbers has gotten so much better, and he's been insanely efficient, I cannot respect the other half of that game, which is him going to the line twenty times a night. I mean, the human torpedo. Yeah, yeah it's it's annoying. I'm like, listen, I'm a hater to my core. Always have been, <laughs> always will be. I'm not. I'm not gonna lie about it. And I have hated on him beat a lot. Do I respect his talent? Absolutely. That's what I meant by that last part. I respect his talent. He's a, such a talented player. Their respect is flopping and trying to get to the line every second. No, it's annoying and it's not fun to watch. Do I understand that 
yes, the best players in the league find a way to bend the rules. Yes, I get that. They, they all do it. Every player does, unfortunately. It's in every sport. In soccer, they're going to dive. In whatever sport, they're going to pretend that they got hit or, like, they're going to move the ball a couple inches, whatever it is. Like, I don't know. But, uh, no, I, I don't respect this this flopping. It's so, so annoying. And he's so talented without it. You're dro- Like you just said, he's dropping threes in people's faces. No problem. Like, you don't need to do this. You're just, you're better than that, man. Just stop. But he does it. And it's, uh, it's really annoying. And I don't respect that aspect. So, yeah, he's going to, I think he may uh, lose out on an MVP as well, just because don't piss people off, man. Like, it's, you're going to create a lot of enemies doing stupid things that are going to come back to bite you. And then you're going to cry at the end of the season and say, oh, I'm not being considered for MVP. You were. You're really good. You're just annoying. So, anyways, that's, that's my rant. Guy pisses me off. But he's a good player. He's an amazing player. That's it's just it's just a fact. And uh, and and I also like you said, Zolfi, very big point. It is dangerous. The flopping is dangerous. Scotty in his first ever playoff game, game wasn't even what was it halftime? Was it third quarter? I know there was still at least a full quarter and a half left. Got fifteen points, eight assists, ten rebounds. It's gonna be a special game. It was gonna be a special game. Guess what? Embiid flops, falls on his ankle. Scotty's out the rest of the game and injured the rest of the series. Are you kidding me? Like, who knows what would have happened if he didn't fall on Scotty's ankle? And how many other players he's accidentally hurt by flopping however tall and how many pounds he weighs, how much that weight falling on someone's ankle or leg can do to someone. Like, that's so dangerous. So clean it up, man. Just clean it up, bro. That's all we're asking. Just a little bit. They could easily be such a fun team to watch. Like, you got Maxi, who yeah. I think is one of my favorite players in the league to watch because Maxie. of just him flipping a switch on. Uh, and good. then it's just... It's the worst. It's literally, I think they're one of the worst teams to watch in the league, and it's insane. Like, it, <laughs> they're just really frustrating. Uh, yeah, we're, n- we're not flopping on this podcast. So, yeah, I agree with you, yeah. Zolfi. I think that's, like, a really good take that I don't think enough people are really talking about with Philly. Uh, so, uh, I commend you on that one. Good job, Zolfi. Yeah. Daniel? Back to the West. Back to the uh, West. Second place right now. Second place right now is Oklahoma City Thunder. Um, they got their MVP candidate, Shea Gilgis-Alexander. They got their rookie that's playing like an all-star already, Chet Holmgren. And then they have what looks like a future all-star in J-Dub, so, which is just Jalen Williams. I, I, where, how did you get that nickname? Do you guys know how? They have two Jalen Williams on their team. He's the better Jalen Williams. I'm assuming they kind of just wanted to say his name more. Love. So Love. they were like, you know what? You can get the cool nickname. Yeah, the they got the cool Williams one. can just be... Yeah, they can. You can. The other Jalen Williams could be Jalen Williams. Also, there's a Jalen Williams that is a prospect to be drafted this year, and OKC could do the funniest thing by drafting a third <laughs> Jalen Williams. By the way, so just keep that yeah, in mind. That would be so good. I would love that. Um, but for my New Year's resolution for the Oklahoma City Thunder, and it seems to be an unpopular opinion with some, with a lot of people actually, from what I've seen on Twitter, and especially Thunder fans, is to trade for another star because, you know, I, I talked about this, this on the previous pod. Uh, for the OG trade, which you can listen to if you want to hear more. Um, this whole timeline talk about, uh, you know, like, oh, this player, like, Jay's 24 or whatever, Chet's only, like, 20, and J-Dubs is, like, 22. Like, that the timeline is now. Shea is an MVP candidate. He is that good. He is for real. Chet is a rookie playing like an all-star. That's not, that's not easy to do. That's a rare thing to happen. Like the timeline is now. You, you want to start. You have unlimited picks. You can't draft that many players. You're gonna to have to give up with some players. Trade for another star. It maybe to some like it's oh we don't want to affect a good thing that's happening. 
I get that. I totally understand that you don't want to like mess with something that's working, but like if you can get another start to add to this already insane roster, why would you not do that? Especially with the amount of picks you have, you wouldn't have to give up like like super important players. You could just load it up with picks and you're good to go. So my New Year's resolution for them is trade for another star and see what happens because you're already second place. Imagine if you get another star. So that's that's my. What do you guys think about it? You guys on the train of keeping it how it is since they're obviously they're doing really well, or do you think they should go for a big fish? Man, they have so many draft picks, like an insane amount of draft picks. Because Sam Presti just did like the most marvelous, beautiful rebuild you could ever imagine. Uh, it, it is tough because they that starting lineup is has such good chemistry, and they are just dismantling teams left, right, and center. So I see a little bit of pause to want to trade for a star player that being said you you got the option to you got the picks those picks are just gonna be shot like this is the thing when i kind of circle around to og being traded for three first round picks or you get emmanuel quickly and rj Barrett. like you're getting certified players that you know what you're getting from or you're getting shot in the dark picks that like drafts you you not necessarily know where they're gonna be and they're also okc's picks that are like they're going to be a good team for the next five years. So those picks are not necessarily going to be as valuable as they would be if you hold on to them for longer, right? So like pile them up, get some of those bench pieces that you you don't necessarily think are going to be huge, valuable parts. Get rid of the other Jalen (laughs) off the team and then uh, go and get a star player. Why not? Like see what's out there. And if you don't like what you like, hold off. You're not pressured. There's no pressure to do it. They, they've got the availability to do what I think it feels necessary for the team and explore what they want. So I like if there's something out there like a Siakam, go for it. If not, hold on. Don't go forcing a trade for Zach Levine. Just uh, just see what you feel like doing. I would not trade for Zach Levine if I were OKC. I would trade for if, Pascal, personally. If there was one team to try to fleece the Jazz for Markkanen, though, that would be the team right True. there. True, Markkanen would be a really good trade for them. I think they, I think I would trade for a big man. I wouldn't trade for a guard if I were them, personally. They want Yaka Pertle? <laughs> I mean, he'd fit really well on this team. Would, they need a more perimeter, I mean, interior defense. They need a, a big man. I'm really conflicted on this, though. Because uh, what's gotten them this far is patience. They've done it so True. perfectly. They've tanked when they needed to. They were around the fringes. They added a guy like Al Horford just to like uh, get some more picks. They didn't play the guy. CP3 was there for a year. They went to the playoffs. Shea got some experience, and then they flipped him as well. They've been so patient with this team, and they've done it kind of perfectly. It's the first time they're like a real, like let's say, contender, for lack of a better term. They're a second seed in the West. But like I don't I don't want them to skip a step and then kind of ruin that. You know what I mean? So I'm, I'm worried about that because, like, yes, they're – some of their best guys in J-Dub and Chet are on rookie deals. Uh, Giddy is there, and you can say what you want about Josh Giddy, but he's probably somebody up until recently they considered part of that timeline as well, and he's on a, a rookie contract as well. But, like, they're going to be on those contracts next season too, right? Like, they're going to still be on those cheap deals, granted, a year away. So part of me wants them to just wait this season, kind of see how it goes, see what Shea can do in the playoffs as this MVP-type player. But then you guys are also right that uh, a guy like Siakam can put them over the top a lot sooner. And he can fit, especially given the money-wise thing. It's just, it's hard because we keep saying Siakam. Because really, what other name is out there? That is like the only name. So then when it comes to that, then the Raptors have tons of leverage in that situation too. 
because they're like, well, you know, Siakam's the only guy you guys can actually come after because there's nobody else out there. We already traded OG Ananobi. You're not going to get him. Uh, so we will take everything you have that you can give us. And maybe OKC doesn't want to do that. I don't know. But the thing, too, is, like, they don't have a lot of crazy young assets that they're willing to give up. Like, Josh Giddy, the other Jalen Williams, like, Cason Wallace, I guess. But you don't really know what he is as a prospect yet. So... A trade would be a little complicated, I think, unless you're just unloading all those picks. But like Jake said, those picks aren't going to be the sexiest either because OKC will be good. So I don't know. I'm really conflicted. I really couldn't decide one way or the other. I think Jake is right in that like they don't have to rush it because they kind of have all the power in the situation. But it's hard to come up with a right answer given where they are at right now. All I know I that this really team did. is going to be good for like the next 10 years. They're set. Yeah, I just... I just like like I, I get totally get that point. I just w- sometimes worry with front offices like when patience becomes too much patience, mm-hmm. and you end up screwing yourself over. Like maybe you lose a Fred Van Vliet because you're just too patient for free. You know, just stuff like that. It worries me. And that's valid. Yeah. But like considering how well that they've done on this rebuild, I feel like they earned their right to just kind of do what they feel like is necessary. Like I would have trust in whatever they decide to do. Yeah, it's you, like you, when you the right. yeah, yeah, it's like when the Raptors uh. They finally made the Kyle Leonard move this because like they had kind of exhausted everything. And yes, they were patient with Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan, but like you reached that point. I don't even think OKC is at that point yet. You know what I mean? Where they've kind of exhausted this uh, thing. And again, very different situations, but like five, six years ago, what were we all saying? OKC has so many draft picks. You're going to hit on a couple of these. And then in a couple of years, they're going to be one of the best teams in the league. Everyone saw the vision. Everyone knew that's exactly what's going to happen. Granted, maybe you didn't expect Shea Gilgis-Alexander to be traded for Paul George and turn into an MVP, but you kind of saw the vision of what the team was going for uh, post their, like, KD and Russ era. So I think that patience has paid off to this point, and I think that's an important thing to keep in mind. So I personally would probably lean towards the side of, like, exhausting that a bit further before making that jump, but I don't blame anyone either because it's hard to win in the NBA, and if you can kind of make your chances of winning easier, especially in a year where you're doing so well, it, it's hard to ignore. That's fair. I, I can respect. I, that's what I was saying before. Like I can respect both sides. Um, I just I'm really excited to see when they do make that big jump. But I, I, also they could make that jump in the playoffs with just what what they have. You know, so it's exciting. We'll see. But also, also to your point, Dan, like what do they do with six first round draft picks over the next two years? That's what I'm saying. Like, you, you have to give years? up. Yeah, you have to give up on some players, unfortunately, because you can't draft that many players. Put in a package for Zion Williamson. <laughs> Might as well, honestly. <laughs> I'm only half joking. Take all our, take eight or eight of our next eight first round draft picks from all different teams all over the league, and just give us Zion. To to play a bit of devil's advocate, and I'm not saying this is even a really good point, but uh, OKC is a small market team. They probably don't want to overspend a lot. Like some of these young guys that they're part of their core, they're going to obviously want to pay to keep. But maybe some of the other guys, they just don't feel like they're willing to try to pay. So they move on from them and draft other guys to try to replace them, you, you know? So, like, uh, I don't think that's probably the best idea. You're right, Spencer, that they have so many picks and really how many of them are going to hit to the same degree. But that's kind of what got them here. They had they had an abundance of picks, and they just needed a couple of them to hit. And that's exactly what happened. A couple of them have hit, and it's gotten them to this point. So I think there is a reason why they might see it that way, especially given Sam Presti's history. But uh, this is it's just two sides to everything with this uh, OKC team. But at the end of the day, Sam Presti has done it right. So whatever he does, I'm willing to trust it. Yeah, like where where's that upgrade yeah. aside from center? Like, what are you trying to upgrade? Like Lou Dort? Like no, the, their front court. That's what. Yeah, but like 
I don't know. It's it's just it's an interesting topic to talk about because we all we, like it's, we saw the vision, but like we we no one thought they were going to be this good, right? Like no one actually legitimately thought that they were going to be a top two, if not pushing number one. Well, no one thought the Timberwolves were going to be number one, but like yeah, they're they're overperforming, but they're good. Like they're good to their overperformance. Like it makes sense. And that's why I mean it's just like it's a fascinating situation, but it's like. It's a, it's kind of like an embarrassment of riches, sort of, right? Like, it's, it's a yeah. good problem to have. It's not necessarily like this is like the most dire situation in the world that they need to figure out. And like, no, they're good for yeah, the like, next five years. They're good. It's re- it is really nitpicking yeah. at this point with this team because like we're saying like, oh, add a big man, help your defense get better inside, and that's valid. But I'm looking at it. They're a top six offense and a top six defense. So like you guys were saying before, being top ten in both categories, sometimes top five is when you're serious contender status. Mm-hmm. And they're kind of there right now. So yeah, maybe yeah. they could just kind of have this core uh, compete to that degree without having to make that kind of a move. So who really knows? But I think this team is good. That's all we know. This team is good. And like Jake is saying, it's a good problem to have, I guess. Can you tell the teams that we uh, want to talk about more than the other teams <laughs> on this episode? Some of them were like, yeah, that's a, it's, it's a good one. And then we spent 15 minutes on OKC. <laughs> that's the NBA for you. That is yeah, the they're NBA. They're a fun team and they're fun to talk about. You don't feel depressed talking about the OKC Thunder. No, no. you really don't. All right, Zelfie. All right, we are to number two in the East, the Milwaukee Bucks. And my resolution for them is, uh, this is kind of an interesting one because it's not technically for them, it's for everyone else. But I want the entire rest of the league and the media to keep just doubting the Milwaukee Bucks. I think coming into the season after the Dame trade happened and with the early goings, everyone was like, they are struggling offensively. I know I was like that too. Like, why are they not running more pick and roll? Adrian Griffin and the staff seem like uh, like they can't keep up. They don't know what to do with Giannis and Dame and this roster, but they won nine of their last 10 games. They are second in the East. Like, granted, they've quote-unquote struggled, but they're 24-8. and eight. They've lost eight games all season, and that's them struggling. So I want everyone to keep the attention off of them. I want them to keep doing their thing. It's funny, there was this... Uh, uh, I guess article put out of like the best shooter from every like distance in the NBA. The furthest is Damian Lillard. The closest is Giannis Antetokounmpo. They have two really, really good players. They're like two top five, top 10 players in the league. So I think they are just special with those two guys. Uh, Guys like Malik Beasley are playing better. Uh, Brooke Lopez is playing better. Chris Middleton is the fairest wheel of a player and he's playing better right now. So I think they just need to stay under the radar kind of like the Clippers in the West, and will come playoff time, they'll do the thing and show everybody. So just keep doing what you're doing pretty much because if this is struggling, go ahead. Yeah, 16-2 at home. They're a really good team for sure. Yeah, their, their quality is going to show in the playoffs. Like, it's going to show up. Their two stars, their two superstars are proven playoff performers. So it's going to happen. Yeah. Keep doubting. I, I feel like... We've been doubting the Bucks on this podcast a little bit more so me than I think a lot of other people. But okay, okay, I, I I've been doubting them. Is is that better for you, Daniel? You want me to name myself by name? Yes, that's exactly. Okay, yeah, uh, fine. I've not been doubting. Them. Yeah, fine. Whatever. I'll say it with chess. Yeah, I've been doubting the Bucks, but they yeah. they 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 I agree. Yeah, I agree. I think they're slightly under the radar this year. Like, you look at their record, they're second for a reason, but then you kind of could also do, like, a double take, be like, the Bucks are second because 
everything that we've talked about is valid with the team. Like they're still not fully playing up to their potential. They still are not that good defensively. Like, but this is a team that is still racking up wins 24 and eight. Like they were a game and a half behind Boston at the time of this recording. Like they are going under the radar. And I think that's ultimately a good thing for them because with how much expectation was put on them going under the radar is probably the best case scenario to help alleviate some of that pressure. The pressure will be there come playoff time, but they're already doing better than I thought they were based off the first month of the season. And I think them continuing to do that is probably ultimately for the best. So I think you're right, Zolfi. I think that's a really good shout. It's a good thing for Adrian Griffin too. I think I think oh, we talked sure. about him a little bit, not a lot, but like being under the radar for a rookie head coach with two superstar players is perfect because less scrutiny, less pressure, less questions for him to answer. I'm sure Adrian Griffin is loving his job a lot more than a Darko Ryakovich is right now. So I think it just goes without saying that like him being able to kind of coast and figure this out without that media attention is perfect for him. Daniel, bring us the Timberwolves. Right. Bring us home. For the, yeah, bring you home. The, for the final team, we got the Minnesota Timberwolves. They are first in the West with a record of 23-7. and seven. Uh, Their last 10, they have, they're 7-3. and three. And they're a really fun team to watch. And my New Year's resolution is nothing. Just continue being elite because you've been elite. Three main guys are playing well in Ant, Cat, and Rudy. Like, they've all been really good. Your other role players are stepping up. Um, so just keep at it. I've, I've loved watching them. They've been really good. And uh, honestly, I don't really have anything to say about them just because it's going really well. So I wouldn't change anything. you guys have anything? If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Damn, that means we can't yeah. broke, we'll be trade broke AC then. I will say that, like, coming into the year, I picked Ant as my, like, MIP pick, thinking that he was oh, going to yeah. jump into, like, MVP status, and that was going to be his case. And that hasn't happened, per se, but, like, aside from the MVP part of it, I think everything has kind of gone how we were hoping it would for Anthony Edwards and the Timberwolves. Rudy Gobert has had a resurgence. Cat is shooting better. Anthony Edwards has basically become the de facto leader of this team, and I think it's looked awesome. So, like, aside from maybe, like, the award talk itself, I think everything has gone exactly how we all hoped it would for the Timberwolves, and that's awesome to see. Are they frauds, though? We don't know. What makes you think that? Yeah, why do you say that? It's a crazy jump, isn't it, for a team that not much changed? Like, realistically, aside from Gobert, like, like, what has changed? (laughs) Edwards has played virtually like similar to last year like you're saying zolfi he hasn't necessarily had like the biggest of jumps he's much more efficient he's averaging 26 5 and 5 and he's shooting 38 percent from three and 45 from the field i just i think it's i don't know there's something about that's like interesting i don't i don't necessarily think they're frauds and you look back at what Jokic said last year that like they were the hardest challenge that they had in the playoff run it's interesting though isn't it like that they're just First in the in the West, it's 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 crazy. I think your question is valid, but like, think about it. Last season, they added a huge piece in Rudy Gobert to this team. That takes time to figure out, especially Rudy Gobert and Cat having to play alongside each other, and then what's Ant's role in this situation. So I think like they gave Chris Finch and his coaching staff an off season to figure it out. They gave this team more time to build chemistry, and then Rudy Gobert figured out his role even better. He didn't feel like he had to do too much. And I think pieces just started clicking more. It, it, it sounds crazy because you're right. Like this team that was seen as like 
not bottom barrel, but like struggling for a lot of last season is now number one team in the West, like with basically the same roster. That is hard to comprehend, but I think it's boring, but continuity is probably a big part of it. They just learn to play together and you're seeing it out there that they're kind of just making more sense as a unit. Yeah. Continuity is a big thing in sports. It's a very big thing. Yeah. I owe Rudy Gobert. My apologies. Sorry, sir. I was familiar with your game, but then I wasn't familiar with your game. He he's just he he shut everyone up though. It, it, it's pretty wild to see that like everyone's like, oh, finally, like we can clown Gobert the way, and then he's like, yeah, no, I'm just gonna put myself right back in Defensive Player of the Year candidate, and uh, he's gonna go down crazily enough as like one of the greatest defenders to ever play in the NBA, <laughs> if not like yeah, even before this season. Yeah, he's like one of the most unsexy players in the league, and he's just. A literal anchor out there. It's, uh, it doesn't look like that trade is uh, so bad anymore, especially if the Wolves decide to make some noise in the playoffs. And they're also a team that's like, I could see them trying to push for like one other extra piece, but also like they have some time. Like it's not necessarily as urgent, but like they have a window for sure. I think that like they have like a three year window before like it closes on them, but like. It's just, it's good to see. It's nice to see that this team is rolling. And uh, I think that they can get even better with Ant performing a lot better and having that eventual takeover. I'm honestly just loving... Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree. I'm honestly just loving seeing smaller markets thrive. Like, look at top three in the West are Wolves, Thunder, and Nuggets. Like, let's go. I love that stuff. Do you think the league is loving that, though? (laughs) Couldn't care less. Basketball fans, real basketball fans should love that. All right, Zolfi. Last one. Finish strong, boys. We're almost there. <laughs> yeah, all right. Let's get to everyone's favorite, the Boston Celtics. They are at the top of the East. Uh, won five in a row. They're 25-6. and six. We can. They won their last nine out of their 10 games. We can say a lot about Celtics. They're really good. 16 and a hoe at home now. They're perfect. Uh, so how much do you really need to change for this team? Probably not a lot. Uh, I know yesterday on the broadcast against the Raptors, they talked about how, like, I think it was Brian Scalabrini who works on the, the broadcast for the Celtics talking about how, like, trading for an Alex Caruso type player would be really good. And I think he's kind of spot on. This starting lineup or this top six is obviously very, very good. And they still can be against pretty bad teams like the Raptors, even with some of those guys out, like yesterday without KP, Al Horford, and Jason Tatum. But uh, their bench is not all that great if you actually look at it. Like, Sam Hauser and Payton Pritchard, decent players, rotational players. After that, they basically have uh, O'Shea Brissett, Delano Banton, Speed McHiluk, uh, Raptors Legends, those three. And then uh, they have Nemeish Queta, who's Portuguese. So shout out, Dan. I guess you got a guy in the NBA who's Portuguese. So that's something. Uh, and that's pretty much it. Not anything else. Their bench is uh, not great. Luke Cornett started yesterday. And uh, he averages 4.4 points a game. He had 20 against the Raptors, by the way. So that says a lot about the Raptors. Uh, And I don't think he's a a piece that's going to fix much anyway. So this bench could actually use a lot more depth. Obviously, they can overcome a lot of that, given how good their top of their lineup is. And we've seen that all season that they've been able to. But come playoff time, you don't want to rely on that. Come playoff time, there's an injury. Uh, Rotations are tighter, so it's going to be harder. You saw it happen against the Miami Heat when some of these guys aren't clicking. Who can you turn to? They had no one really to turn to. And just like they have done all season and last year, this team is so dependent on three-point shooting. They take and make the most threes in the league. I get it. But that has been sustainable to a point. 
But against the best teams in the East come playoff time, if that's not working, it can get away from you really, really fast. So I think just adding some surety on the bench is going to be an important thing for the Celtics team. But again, it's nitpicking. They are really good. Yeah, I think they also lack another big man in the, the middle. As much as Al Horford has been very stable rock for them recently, and Przingis is obviously Przingis, I'm going to throw a name up there as what I, I think could happen. Andre Drummond. Oh, baby. Yikes. Andre yeah, Drummond yeah. is going to come and save the season? Hey, I don't save the season. They're they're fine. They're <laughs> fine, okay? They, like, I, I see what you're saying, Zolfi. They're fine. They, we're, yeah. This is, like, literal nitpicking. I just think he's a, a, a name that uh, I think would fit really well on that team. We, we see what Drummond's been doing when Busevich is out of the lineup. Like, he's clearly still yeah. got some game left in this tank. He's an old man. But he can still grab you 16 rebounds a game. And that's something they need. Like, yeah. I, got, I like Al Horford. He's a sexy man. We all are friends of Al Horford. But they need a bigger guy to come in off that bench to help alleviate some of the pressure from their lack of shooting off the bench. That's not Sam Hauser. And I think Drummond would be a good fit on that team. Yeah, that's true. I mean, he at, at worst would be the same as Luke Cornett, which, again, isn't saying much, but that's at worst. And Luke Cornett is way worse than him. Luke I no, for sure. was surprised to see he's still in the league, to be honest. Yeah, he dropped 20 on Jakob Pertl. I so. know. <laughs> it, I'm still surprised that he's in the league. I haven't heard his name yeah. in, like, years. Should they bring back Brampton legend Tristan Thompson to the Celtics? Have him back out there? God. Down. <laughs> yeah. Drummond is an interesting one. Uh, I've never really been a big Drummond fan. I don't really think anyone has, but he could be... It could be interesting. I feel like for a, most of his career, he was like empty stats and uh, did not play smart. But with his stint with the Lakers wasn't terrible. He, I think he found his role more, realizing that he's not the guy. So if he's willing to continue that role, uh, yeah, it could actually be fun with the Celtics. I, I think it could be fun. I kind of want the Celtics to go for like uh, – sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Uh no, I just want them to go for like more of like a. I know they have great wings, but like a bench wing that's focused more like. I don't know. They're elite on both ends, so it's hard. Like more like again, an Alex Crusoe type makes a lot of sense. He can provide a punch offensively when he needs to. He's a good anchor defensively. Like hey, go to the Kings, offer a defender or like I don't know, an Al Horford or something for like a, a young defensive piece, like a Davion Mitchell. I know it's probably not going to happen, but like just something along those lines. Like, go after somebody who's maybe underutilized on a team who can maybe be scrappy as a defensive person. Patrick Williams on the Bulls comes to mind. I don't know. Like, guys like that, like, I think there are somebody the Celtics could go after. So, Drummond, you're right. Jake could make sense to fix their rebounding woes. I just feel like he's impactful in, like, one way when I think adding, like, a versatile piece who can be, like, a bit more impactful in multiple ways is kind of what I'm looking at. But I'm curious what you guys think. Jeff Doughton Jr. Get the Raptors going. Make their whole bench ex-Raptors players. That's my solution. Yeah, that's fun. I really like Caruso. I actually think Caruso would be a really Yeah, I like Caruso too. He would be a very similar. He's a very similar to like a Derek White pickup, I think. Yeah, if they could get him, it would be insane. Actually, I think. Just more bench role. I like that. Do we are they gonna want to trade Caruso away though? I, I don't know if the Bulls are gonna I, I know his name's been out there for a while now as like a possible movement piece. I just I, I don't know if the Bulls are really ready to commit to a full on rebuild outside yeah. of 
train Levine away. It would be a fun one in like a super, super perfect world if he was still like not even healthy, but if he was like close to coming back healthy, at least towards playoff time, I would trade for Lonzo Ball like on the uh, Celtics because obviously he doesn't seem like he's in the Bulls' long-term plans because of his health. Uh, maybe they're kind of soured on him and they kind of want to go with a guy like Kobe White who's obviously playing better. So I don't know. Lonzo Ball in the Celtics as a bench player, I think would be a lot of fun. Yeah, like you said, in a perfect world, his health scares me so much. Like, he yeah, just he's running. apparently just started running. <sighs> yeah, I know. That's tough. I, I don't know if any team would ever want to trade for him, too. I, mean, I don't think so tough. either. I think he's he's stuck on the Bulls for a while. I, I just, just I don't know when we're going to see Lonzo play again. Yeah. That's sad, man. He was a good player. Like He actually like was really fine in his place. He was good. He turned into like a pretty elite shooter, too, towards yeah, like his bench role. Too. Yeah, it's disappointing. It makes me sad. I hope I hope he gets fully healed, honestly, because that would be be a great comeback story. Spencer, I know you're a huge Celtics fan. You get the last word. Well, I think the Celtics should tank, <laughs> trade trade everybody away, so that the Raptors can uh, have Jalen Brown for Andre Drummond. Who says no? <laughs> honestly, just give him Tatum as well. Might as well, man. <laughs> Like the, Bulls, the Bulls will find a way to ruin it, so then we have two spots opened up. <laughs> Gentlemen, two hours. We've officially oh, made it past two hours. Congratulations, gents. Thank you. Big, big roaring applause from literally no one. I can tell the lack of energy <laughs> going off right hey, now. Hey, man. It, our, our five fans out there, you guys better Stop. show us some love. We've been podcasting for three hours straight. We grinded out here for the content for people. We so did. show us some love, please. Give us a review right yeah. now. Thank you. All we're asking for. Thank you, Dan and Zolfi, for that. I think those were very, very well done. I appreciate them. I You're welcome. Get some good conversation going. Thank you. Uh, I saw the the little snap of the snap of the fingers there. What do you guys think? Snap ready to ready to end this pod and put up our OGN and Obi Wan so everyone can <laughs> finally hear that one. Yes, yeah, yeah, let's do it. Alrighty, thank you guys so much for listening. If you somehow listened all the way through that entire podcast, why not show us some love? Give us some reviews. Whether if you hated it, if you like hate listen the whole like two hours, like good on you guys. But like, give us a review about it, maybe. Uh, on Spotify, Apple, you can find us everywhere at the Dream Team Podcast as well on Twitter slash X at Dream underscore oh my god at Dream underscore Team Pod or on Instagram at Dream underscore Team underscore Pod and you can find me as well at Jake underscore Schultz six Zolfi, where can they find you? You know what? I'm not going to tell them my socials. I'm going to come to them with a proposition. Tweet at the Dream Team account. And just tweet the phrase, Jake is a fragile little man. If you do that, we will follow you back from the Dream Team account. Just a free follow. Just tweet at us. Show us you listened to this whole thing and you got to this point. Tweet that phrase to us and we will retweet it and follow you from the Dream Team account. That is my promise. You're about to be exposing that we have no one listening to our podcast. <laughs> I... Jake, use your burners. Oh, okay. I'll follow you as well for my own personal account. Hell yeah, I'll do it too. Why not? Yeah, I'll do it too. There you go. You get three. Spencer, you put your name in there. Oh, I was just naming games and favorites. No, no, no. There you go. You can't. Do not tweet that out. Do not tweet that out, please. Yeah, I'm so dead, bro. So funny. All right. All right.
No more social media. No, none. You guys don't get anything. I'm not. I'm not letting you guys market the rest of your social media. You can find it all in the descriptions. You can go find them there and follow them if you want to. For some reason, that is going to wrap up the episode. Though, thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll catch you back in the next one. Peace. Peace.